produced by gauntletcreative.com. Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Direct Input Podcast. Today is Sunday, June 4th in the year 2017. It's not too confident You have to think about, about that. that. <laughs> I get a little fucking discombobulated. I'm 2017. Because well, as you get older, those fucking years clip by way faster, bro. You see Interstellar? Yeah, yeah. Fucking... It was good. (laughs) It's not a movie I could watch on the reg, though, because it's like depressing and shit. Yeah, Yeah. it's too heavy. Yeah. It's too much for you. It's not like popping on National Treasure or some shit where you can just like watch it. Just in the background, yeah, Yeah. casual fucking trip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we're down in fucking, uh, we took a drive to New Bedford. (laughs) Little road trip, Ski. Fucking road trip. We're uh, down at North Atlantic Tattoo. North Atlantic Tattoo. Is this the hottest fucking New Bedford, you say, or downtown? No, no, actually, it's not. We're going to move to the downtown, the Har. This is the sketchy outskirts. Really? Which is all they would allow us when we opened. But it's ironic because my parents owned a bar on this strip for 33 years. All right, so let's just set the table real quick. Your, sure. your name is Mr. Andrew Paquita. Paquita or Paquita? People, right. people pronounce it both ways. Yeah. I'm not Portuguese. I don't know yeah, what the it's, fuck It is Paquita, but... Really? Yeah. What's yeah. that mean? Small? A small family in Portuguese. Really? If you meet somebody with that last name, I don't care if you're in Argentina, we're related. No sure. shit. Yeah. Damn. Well, that's what it is down here. There's more yeah. Portugal. I think that yeah. the festival that goes on here, there's more Portuguese people there than even in fucking Portugal at a, an actual fest. <sighs> Azorian. That's what there's, it is. There's a, straight the di- there's, there's a difference between Azorian and mainland. A lot more Azorian down here. Is that because of fucking the economy being so, like, fishermen and everything like that? I think that's part of it. It's definitely a Portuguese community. Like, I was trying to get here earlier, and... I was on one of the lower avenues, and there was uh, some Madeira parade, some random Sunday unadvertised parade with, like, people <laughs> with flags and yeah. couldn't move. Even the cop was perplexed. Like, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> you know? Roll with it. Fuck it. But, but you can get good food down here for sure. For sure. You my like pa- Portuguese food. My parents live in Fairhaven. You, yeah, you that's grew up over in that yeah. area. Yeah. But I've always read about Route 6 having some of the best eats fucking in the state yeah. and actually New England. Seafood, man. Turks. Fucking Turks, fucking and, and then you can go to jeans if you want the grime. Show. We've always gone. To, we taught jeans because I like the it's, fucking. It's, it's a real grime. Yeah. You gotta like grime me if you well, go to jeans. Well, just like barbecue though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The dirtier the shack, the fucking better food you hey, the, get, right? This Am I dude, wrong? This dude, yeah. This dude came down a few years ago to get tattooed, and I he I swear he was more excited about going to Chad's Chowder House <laughs> in Somerset. Like, can, can you tattoo me down there? Any any house like the worst shit for him too, like. What, you had a lot of shit that I day. can't remember. Like, Yo, I can't get this that often, so I'm going to get it. Was it the big card, a stuffed card, or some shit like yeah, that? Yeah, and then a big ass bowl of chowder. Maybe, and then he, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he got ice cream after that and then got tattooed. He's like, yeah. fuck it, I'm going yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> going oh, down yeah. swinging. Yeah, that was a five and a half hour session, if I remember yeah. correct. Yeah. That was a big I one. Do though. a lot of big stuff. <laughs> See, I first started working with you, and we were talking about this a little bit before, but it's 2003. Yep. And you were. Still good friends of the band Beyond the Embrace. Yes. Metal yes, Blade Records. Yes. And I was tight with uh, Mr. Uh, Tim Giblin. Tim Giblin, yeah. Uh, from a band, The Accursed. We yep, used to play yep. in a band. But we met at New Jersey Metal Meltdown, yes, 2003. Yes. Fucking Jack Koshik presents bullshit. Those right? were the shit. So we met at the hotel yeah. party. I wasn't allowed to bring weed in the car. Yeah. So, you know, got to know you. Yes. Some good talks. Hot yes. to hot. We were talks. talking about this earlier. Coffee about, talk. About... <laughs> Definitely, when there's two partiers in the room and some of the other guys on is into it, you like gravitate towards each other. Right, the shadiness fucking oh, yeah. attaches. Yeah, those were good. Those Jack Koshik fests. 
I went to like five of those in a row. Really? They were sketchy. That first one was on that. In Clifton, right? No, that was Asbury Park. The first, it was in the same spot a few times, and then it was in some other spots that were even sketchier, like Neptune, New Jersey, uh, <laughs> Pensacken. Pretty unregulated fest, if I remember. Because that old, like... That dude has been, like, outcast from yeah. all I gather. He's pretty For much being sketchy, shunned. like burning people on money and shit. He's pretty much the pioneer of pay-to-play, especially on fest culture. Jesus like, Christ. real big pay-to-play sort of fucking ordeal. If I remember correctly, a cursor was wrapped up in that yeah. when they did that. and That era, 98, when that first fest was. You know, it's not like now. Now it's just so different. Mm. Like, uh, I went to Armageddon the other day to grab the new Elder album, and somebody had dropped off a bunch of issues of Terrorizer on the front steps. They were going to sell them for a dollar. I should have bought them all. Going back to, like, 95. And the crazy thing about opening those was everybody was ugly. <laughs> There was no hipsters. Right, right. Seeing a fucking picture of Malevolent Creation 1996 and then seeing like Alcest or fucking one of these hipster black metal bands, which I like some of that stuff. Yeah. But it's just a different world. Oh, absolutely. And, and that fest was a different time. Like it was like going on, it was like going to the moon. It was like me, Metal George, Sean Gallagher, and my boy John Sladuski traveling what seemed like across the country at the time, but it was only New Jersey. Yeah. To sh- stay in a shady hotel and see fucking heavy bands. And, and it was just, it was better then. You when know? did good looking people start joining metal? <laughs> it's about nasty dudes. You know, disgusting My friend dudes, Metal right? George and I talked about this today about how, like, there's a uniform now. I'll say this I used to own a co own a shop in Swansea, um, which is a few miles west of here. And in 2010, I had an apprentice who was like, he was a hardcore kid, straight edge, punk rocker, and I was always bumping like Reverend Bazaar and Pagan Altar and this slow shit in the shop and, you know, Sirithungle, before that stuff became hip again, you know? And I could yeah. see the transition at that time, and I don't think it was because of me, because you see it across the country, but you get, like, I don't want to use the term liberal because I hate it, but there are a lot more, like, young liberal hipsters that have a descendants tattoo somewhere yeah but now like yeah fucking brockus helm is my favorite band you know but in 98 there was none of that bullshit it was if, almost like kind of too regressive at that point yes, when i was coming yes. up like nobody wanted to dress with a vest or anything you until, had to fight for like, it back then you know? yeah yeah absolutely dude punk rock skateboarding tattoos heavy metal used to have to fight for that shit yeah and you weren't cool because of it and now it's just Kanye rocking a fucking Dark Throne t-shirt, you know? Different times, you know? Oh, all them guys fucking... Yeah. All the big pop stats. There was a good Hot Times article the other day. It was like following the evolution of streetwear brands like Metallica and Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> Some shit like that. Like, you know, like it's the fucking next vision, you know? But, like in, but you, I mean, being a tattooer, I mean, you were talking about, though, it's like uh, when we first met, if I remember correctly, tattooing wasn't legal yet in Massachusetts. No, it, not fully. We, we, pr- we probably met right around the time, maybe a year or so in. When you started tattooing, though, oh. you had to go to Providence. When I started, ta- I mean, I, I probably shouldn't talk about this because it's not really legal. But oh, oh, When I started me. tattooing, I it was 20 years ago, this coming July, and I graduated high school. I bought a starter kit, and I started scratching on my friends. Yeah, You had to be half a cowboy to get into it back then. It wasn't... 
you couldn't like walk in the door and ask some dude for an apprenticeship because you get your ass kicked and thrown out on the street. It wasn't <laughs> a different world, you know. It's got to be a statute on that anyway. Yeah, but I mean, well, you know, twenty years ago now. Yeah, yeah, you fine. yeah. We'll we'll have people walk through the door and ask for apprenticeships that have never spent a dime here. Really? It's like, yo, homeboy, why the fuck would I help you get into something that I chipped away my soul to make a living at for 20 years? Right. I don't even know you. Right. Do you get so, guys come in who want to pay for that? Pay for an apprenticeship? Yeah, but I don't agree with that process either. Oh, so it does exist. It, it, I don't it know. It does. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a scumbag tattooer that does that too. Take a payday, pay the, pay the, the rent, rent for a month. The, the trade is saturated now, so, you know, you're better off just not. The only time I would take an apprentice is if it was a close personal friend who had some legitimate pre-tattooing art skills, and he seemed like he was worth it. Potential. You know? Potential, yeah. And you would do that so you could build a solid employee, because sometimes it's easier to build one than to find one. You know, so. Yeah, I could see that. But it would be a couple of years of the most ruthless hazing before, <laughs> you know. Paying your dues. Anybody I roll with is a tight circle, so if you're going to get in... It's not going to be easy, you know. But you talk about being saturated. I mean, but that's the thing. It's like I kind of was gravitated towards you, not only because you're kind of from, like, my parents' area and all this, yeah. and, you know, hanging out shows and you're a metalhead, but you had three years' experience, if I remember correctly, right. down in Providence before yes. anything yes. opened up yes. in Mass. So yeah. you're kind of like a pioneer yeah. for this area. I don't. Well, maybe. I, I would never refer to myself in anything ultra-positive with, like, the term pioneer. I will say this, though. You won't find a harder working tattooer in this area. Like there are dudes that bust their ass, and you know I'll refer people to them. But it's daily, man. Yeah. Like I literally that term chip away your soul to make it. When you see the product that this shop puts out compared to the competitor, it's just a different world. You right. Know? I'm here eleven to eleven every day, and I'm at my desk till like five a.m. And I'll do that shit seven days a week for months, just possessed to do it. You know. No shit. But I think that's, look, I'm 38 years old, no college education, and I'm financially independent. Right. You know, I had some help along the way. My folks are great people, meeting some people that helped out. But for the most part, it was all me. You know, like, you have a desired goal, and you get to an age where you realize it's not rocket science. It's just hard work. Right. Like, I was listening to one of the episodes. We were talking about him, you know, still having a day job. But, you know, if you're passionate about it, which you seem like you are, that day job will be a memory at some point, you know? Yeah, we hope so. I mean, y- if I can you, get there. You can't put your soul into something. Right. If you truly put your fucking soul into it and not have it work out. And I believe that shit. Idealistically, I believe that shit. It's know? like that Bukowski thing. The fuck, I think from Factotum's like, uh, if you're going to go, go all the way. Go all the way. Fucking, yeah. you know, it might cost, you might be fucking yeah. delirium, madman, yeah. sleep on a fucking yeah. bench in the pack. But yeah. there's no other fucking reward like going yeah. all the way, you know? I almost get chills hearing that quote. Like, And it's not just with the tattooing. Ask any woman I've dated. It's got to be so annoying. When you <laughs> date somebody where everything they're into, there's no fucking casual interests, bro. Yeah. Metal. I'm a sneaker collector, so there's that. And the tattooing and just the culture I love. I'm not half in, dude. You know? Yeah. You don't own 5,000, 6,000 physical albums if you're half in so it's not just the tattooing but i've created like an atmosphere where i can indulge all of that shit in the same sphere you know yeah the work day is influenced by the music or documentaries there's a lot of that so you know you create that world where you can do what you want every day within the workspace that's the shit yeah you know? yeah 
fucking american dream right here right, right. it's just fucking artistic that's the thing we don't even value yeah. art anymore fucking you know Dude. it's like you know also culture angle cutting out out of fucking school programs you know oh wicked fucking everywhere even foreign language music everything fucking it's just getting cut down and just look at everything culturally you optimistic about the times we're in right now? no no i'm not (laughs) and i'm conspiratorial too like i eat that shit up well and you like pizzagate what's that all right, we won't go there. Wait, yeah. Pizza Gate. I know about Pasta Gate from an Anthony Bourdain episode. But, <laughs> but, uh, I I know that. Yeah, I'm not optimistic, and I don't have children. No procreating. But, I haven't slipped one past the goalie yet, and I don't plan on it. <laughs> Knock on something, but like, yeah. all right, you mentioned schools dropping art programs, music programs. Doesn't that make people? I don't know. If you really want it, you'll get it. Isn't that kind of like cutting out some of the fat? Saturation we were referring to. Yeah, maybe. Even, you, know? you know where I'm going maybe. with that? Yeah. Only the strong survive. Like, really, the, yeah. the truly inspired will fucking be there in the You get end. a passion for art or music, you'll find, you'll find your path. I, I yeah. I think, I think the real holdup is at a young age, you're not intelligent enough to realize or world-weary enough to realize that you can take whatever that thing is that you're interested in and turn it into a life. You know what I mean? Right. Very like, true. You know, I think it takes a certain teacher to be like, hey, like, I loved Star Wars as a kid. And you hear stories about, like, J.J. Abrams directed Force Awakens with all its flaws and shit. Um, but I, I did like it. But, uh, you know, he was making, like, films as a kid. Stop motion animation. And, you know, somewhere along the line, somebody nurtured that shit. And then he was able to make a Star Wars movie, so I don't know. Busting ass and networking. Yeah. Straight yeah. up. Yeah. I've never really believed in luck. I think it's Fuck just, no, I don't believe know, in it either. Like fucking it's earned. The only time it's luck no. is maybe with the lottery, but still, no. you know, like uh, kind of an yeah, effort yeah. to fucking <laughs> put in enough fucking scratches well, on that Every shit. now and then I'll have a client say, Oh, you're so lucky, you're so talented. It's like I'm not talented at all. I busted my ass. Not not naturally talented, you know. I've never been good at anything. I just had to work hard at it. Maybe there's instances where like an athlete's naturally talented, but you know, playing bass that you don't become naturally talented. Fuck right. Fuck fucking. Right. It takes you years. Know, years. I'm just working on my fingers and shit like that. You think that. Sting learned fretless bass at the caliber he plays it by just <laughs> dicking around? Yes, you know? fucking Sting. It's exactly how he learned. Yeah, huh? maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Sting was in fucking Quadrophenia, I think. Or, wait, Phenia or Philia? What do you call Is that, that her name? One? It's the fucking uh, the Who movie there with the mods and the rockers. Oh, fucking. mods and the rockers. Yeah. I never really got into that fucking... It was like one summer or some shit like that. And fucking... Um, but you've been down here now. You were in Swansea for how long? Was it 17 years? No, no. Like 12, 12, oh, 12 and a half. Right. I'm always off with dates. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. <laughs> it, it, it was a cool experience. It wasn't the best experience. Just people at odds with each other and... I just needed to get into my something different, you know. You can't spend too long in the same spot. You got to keep the wheels moving, you know. I hear you. Sure. I hear you. You got to paint a picture. I didn't mean to cut you off, and uh, you don't really paint a picture of where we are. Well, we're in uh, North Atlantic Tattoo on uh, Cushion and Ave right now. Uh, the walls are pretty much plastered with like frames. Like every inch of this yeah. wall Fucking, is uh, covered. Yeah. It's uh, a lot my, of flash work. I can't take much credit. My business partner is uh, his name's Jr. Debt. Yeah, he's an awesome traditional tattooer. Super good, disciplined traditional Japanese stuff. 
What's that mean? Like with the fucking chisel and all that shit? Or whatever? Yeah, you see that sheep behind you with the Hanyas and the wind bars? Oh, yeah. He's fucking good at that. And he had a vision for it looking like a tattoo shop. Every inch your eyes go, you want to see something, you know? Right, right. So This is the main room where they all tattoo, and I have like my own booth over there. I'm a little more introverted when I'm actually working, but yeah, it's a cool layout, you know. I mean, I got a clean slate. I'm, I got nothing. You're fucking better off. But <laughs> <laughs> is it, there like a science to that? Like you say, you get to walk in, you want to, you want every inch of this wall it, it, covered in art as like a creative standpoint. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, in a way, just to be in the environment, we don't really work off any of it. I think to a lot of the regulars, it's just run of the mill. They think coming in with something on their phone from Pinterest is more fucking original, which it's not. No. But uh, as far as the clientele is concerned, like, if you have nothing and you do plan on getting tattooed, just get big stuff, you know? Instead of filling it up with small shit? Yeah, because that's what everybody does. They they want to test the waters, and they 99% of them get hooked. And then they just got five things, and they want you to turn it into a sleeve when it never will be. If you come in, like, I know a few people that started from scratch like with maybe like some traditional Japanese and got like an upper body suit and it looks like you're born with it. It's it, fucking amazing, you know? Instead of small yes. shit here yeah. and there. Yeah. When you see a full body suit rendered correctly or just a sleeve done from scratch, it's mind-bending, you know? Because you're working with the body and making it look a certain way. So I would say eight out of ten clients from my experience get tattooed incorrectly. And you can sway them in a specific direction because at the end of the day, you have to make money. But a lot of, of the times, it's their decision, you know? It was one of the things you always kind of stressed. And I remember when I was like getting my first work was you were talking about the concept of flow. Flow, and, yeah. You know, yeah. ultimately how it, sh- it should be big. It should yeah. be large because, yeah. you know. Yeah, when it flows on the body a specific way, it looks like you're born with it, you know? Yeah. Um, so... So you got the fucking, on your face, you got fucking St. Vitus and, trouble. and the trouble tattooed. Yeah. What, 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 what? what spawned it? Yeah. I'll tell you what spawned it. It was It's kind of bullshit in a way. It's kind of elitism, but it's not. Because <laughs> it's just, I've been into that shit forever, bro. Right. So when all these like hipsters, hip young people <laughs> get into it, you kind of want to claim it as your own, you know? Especially the Vitus tattoo. But then I just felt unbalanced, so I went for trouble, you know? Really? I don't necessarily think that they're my top three, but the logo works, and I love that band. Psalm 9's perfect, you know? Yeah. And it's a representation of what I think doom metal is. It's not always just slow riffs. There's people that come in here that think if it doesn't sound like Electric Wizard, it's not doom metal, and that's just bullshit, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know that's bullshit. Well, yeah. You, know? you I mean, I remember hearing Paul Chain here for the like, first time. You turned me on to that, and even Reverend Bazaar and... Reverend Bazaar was crucial for me because it was like kind of a reflection of several different degrees of doom metal, you know, whether it be traditional and yeah. even like kind of yeah. a funeral type thing. It's it's almost like uh, some flag bearing in a comical way at times with like 78 minute EPs and shit. Right. But, you know, they owned it and they supposedly hated each other and it was like some real darkness. I love that band. Yeah, what, whatever happened, what was that story about the singer there? Like fucking trying to commit suicide so, supposedly um and i read it somewhere so if the person who wrote it was wrong it's not me but yeah supposedly when they were doing harbinger and metal he like strategically waited for the band to be out of the studio like getting food or gone for a while and like tried to off himself 
Yeah. <laughs> he's. I think <laughs> like he's. I think laugh. he's quasi schizophrenic. Or oh whatnot. yeah. Have you heard any of his solo projects? No, never. He's got like the Puritan, which was like Funeral Doom, and uh, I think it's called Opium Warlords, which is just weird proggy shit. Really? You ever hear their prog band Orn? No. The Reverend Bazaar guys have a prog band called Orn, O R N E, and it's really? sick. Really? Super awesome. Yeah. It's on that Black Widow label from Italy. They put out some like. Uh. Black Widow's done like a lot of the Italian stuff, like Paul Chain and. Um, with fucking Minotauro and fucking what was the it's other like, one? It's like it's that style of label, yeah. Yeah, well, there's yeah, uh, Min- yeah Minotauro records is that. Minotauro's doing Paul Chain now, yeah. Yeah, I have one of their. Well, I got the Alchemist cassette from them. Dude, Alchemist is a fucking. That's a gem. That stuff was so hard to get for a long time. That Paul Chain stuff. Yeah. I went through hell and high water to get that shit. Yeah, now you now got the reissues it's everywhere you know. now. <laughs> that shit happens forever though. <laughs> You know, trying to track down those four count Raven albums in the early 2000s, expensive endeavor, especially for CD. You know, what's the most you've ever spent on a compact disc? Yeah, maybe 70. Really, that Seven Church record. You ever heard that? No, it's like an English doom band from the 90s. That if you hear them, you'll realize that Reverend Bazaar wasn't as original as you thought. Really, yeah, super English, super traditional, like. It's got some warning type vibes to it, but it's not that slow. I paid like mad money for that. It still hasn't been reissued either. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was another band from that era called Paramecium that nobody knows about. I'll give Metal George credit for some of these bands because he turned me on to a lot of them, but that Paramecium shit's not cheap either, you know? Metal think- George is one of your like, best friends. Yeah. Like, and he, uh, he wrote for Metal, Metal Maniacs. Uh, yeah, Metal Maniacs. He was in the yeah. Accursed, fucking yeah. a few other bands. But, um,. I think the most I've ever heard be I I think Chris from Aberroth spent like 120 bucks on Sad Legend. You ever heard that band from fucking South Korea? No. Uh, no. There's this one album called Searching for Hope and Out of Darkness. Like a, it's like a three song EP of like super epic Dude, fucking three like, songs too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do you fucking play the CD at that point? Yeah. Yeah. At 120 <laughs> bucks. Get that, uh, get that shit on a hard drive one yeah, time. Rip it. Yeah. Okay, at least rip yeah. it. All right. Yeah, yeah, as long as you're on the same page. Hey, yeah, I can, I'm like, rip that shit and who cares? I can tell it. The price of the single CD doesn't matter when you buy as much shit as I buy. I live in an apartment building that my brother owns. And, you know, we're five years apart. We're kind of polar opposites. But he came up, like, in the hardcore scene and stuff. He's into music. But when they come into my office, which is in the attic, and they see the sheer amount of compact discs up there, and this shit like still shrink wrap from 2012, you know, <laughs> you just get it any way you can. You'll you get know? to it. Yeah. You still primarily buy CDs yeah. as opposed to vinyl. Yeah, I will buy vinyl if it's like vinyl only, or if, or if it's like yeah, like the seven inch or whatever. Or you know, shit. like if it's Sirithungul, a Pagan Altar, or yeah, something else. You get all the buried by time and dust like Pagan Altar ones and shit. Yeah, yeah. Those are diesel. Those are so oversized and shit. Vinyl helps you determine if you really enjoy a band. Yeah. Price wise. Yeah. Yeah. You want to justify? Can I justify twenty eight bucks, thirty two bucks for a record? Or, you know, on a CD you'll drop eighteen. You're like, whatever. Who gives a shit? But it's that extra twelve, thirteen bucks makes you feel. Well, that last Reverend Bazaar, fucking, um, fucking. um, I like how it said, "Do metal is dead" on the front. The <laughs> last Reverend Bazaar album. Well, yeah, what the fuck was it called? Though? One of my uh, fucking so spe- long suckers. Yeah, so long suckers. That comes in like a fucking four vinyl box. Yeah, because it's, it's fucking, two fucking hours long. Yeah, you know? it's hotted. It, I love Jesus. that though. <laughs> they were like, oh, people want to bitch about the arduous slow ass songs. Right. We're gonna give you the swan song record, 
and right. that's all it's gonna fucking be. Or the final song, yeah. Anywhere But Here. Uh, fucking yeah. that song. There's some bangers on that, but you got to spend time with it, you know? Yeah. Well, fucking, I mean, like, I think uh, fucking was a Forever Caesar. Fucking, that's a great like, song. That's a fucking automatic hit along with your fucking Eternal song. Platonic Witch. That's another one, you know? My favorite Reverend Bazaar jam is probably that Wandering Jew. Really? Yeah. Listen to that every Easter. I that, make a point for that. That Hobbinger EP is like the pinnacle for me. Dude, it's got that fucking Strange, Strange Horizon. Horizon. Yeah. That song, bro. Yeah, and that's like a way slew. Uh, there was a the demo cuts like actually twice the speed yeah. of that, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, but fucking from the void, fucking it's like the longest fucking drum solo I've ever heard on a fucking makes fucking John Bonham's Moby Dick look fucking. It's actually a tribute to that fucking. Yeah, we talking like eight minutes. <sighs> Are you familiar with this band? That no, right. not at all. They're they're a Finnish doom metal band. It's a three piece, and it was like from Bazaar, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. So you've played it for me, like maybe one or two tracks yeah. tops. Yeah. It's definitely not like if you're trying to give somebody the introduction to doom metal. I don't think you start there, you know. Maybe, maybe in the rectory. It's in that yeah, ballpark. But. Yeah, but it's like it was at an era where doom metal was not a prevalent genre, you know, to the point where like if you ask some avid death metal fan, some dude listening to fucking Suffocation only, right? What doom metal was? He probably would be like, I don't know, typo negative. Like it's, it wasn't a genre people were familiar with. Not like now, you know. What like, band fucking blew doom metal open in, the, I think in this they decade? Did. I th- I think really? Reverend Bazaar did. I think anybody that says otherwise is talking out of their ass. What about fucking Electric Wizard? A lot of people fucking... Well, yeah, th- I'll get to that for sure. But I would say with the traditional doom metal, because Electric Wizard isn't doom metal to me. Really? It, it is, but it's definitely more on the stoner side. Stoner fucking psychedelic noise or I, garage I th- rock. I think what separates it without sounding like an elitist is like... If the hipsters really love it. Like, I like Ohm, and I like Electric Wizard, and I casually think sleep is okay. But I like the traditional, like, this is fucking doom metal. It, we're still heavy metal, you know? We're right. not too cool to be a metal band, you know what I mean? Like, And we're still kind of, like, not, like, attractive people, you know? It's just, I don't know. But I think they did, because they had a song on... They did the Rectory double album. Right. There's a song called Goddess of Doom. It's a confusing song because they sing about Christina Ricci on the song. Yeah. <laughs> but then you think they're singing about women that they've loved, and then they start rattling off bands. Yeah. It's just a, it's like the most thorough list of like essential doom metal. Yeah. Count Raven. Yeah. You know, like, like they just list like there's like a whole like six minute verse where they, they just yeah. say band yeah. names. You think he's singing like, about a woman. Yeah. And then he starts dropping their names and it's like Penance and Cathedral and... And he's singing it in a way where he's like almost serenading them for the influence. And Fessa. and at that time, I think anybody in the underground that was paying attention who had like a casual flirtation with doom metal but liked that was like, I what are these bands? You know, absolutely. Now I already knew some of those bands, but some of the shit on there I didn't know. Wicked you know deep I mean? cuts, yeah. Some deep shit on like Spiritus Mortis, who is kind of a band now, but they were like a doom band from Finland in the eighties and. Really? Yeah. There's some shit on there, you know? Do you think the Finns do it right? I, I think those motherfuckers do it right with everything. Everything. Black Dude, metal, death, death metal? metal. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, that newer band, Lantern, they're Finnish, right? Lantern? Have you heard remember. them? No. Yeah, I have it on tape. Fucking, they're, I don't, I don't that know where shit. they're from. Fucking, I'll look it up right now. Did you just say, no, I have it on tape? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> it, I don't know where they're from. I don't they're, know where oh, they're from. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're from, they're from I haven't heard them. I have yeah. them on tape. <laughs> yeah, no, I have them on tape. Fucking, Dude, you know. some, there's some finished death metal right now that is like, 
the fucking balls, you know? So good. So, yeah, you know, all of Scandinavia in general, but Finland, ha- you know. Yeah, it's Finland. Got some- oh, shit. What a smart guy you are. Fuck, you get a rotodiary. Diary fucking <laughs> shit yeah. in there. The clients bug out because it's not it's not just with like metal and like tattoo history. Like I can fucking fuck with some baseball history for six hours. And I don't even really watch sports, you know. You think the Ty Cobb's the greatest of all time? Have we talked about this? Vaguely, Vaguely. sort of. I think in like fucking messages. I mean, okay. I, I think it's a super debatable fact. So if somebody was to disagree and say Willie Mays was the best of all time, I wouldn't be able to argue that. But if we're talking about sheer statistics, and who knows if he could compete with somebody in the modern era, yeah, yeah, I think he's one of the greatest. Top 10 for sure. Yeah. Probably top five. You know, Greatest pitcher of all time. No shadow of a doubt. And it's not just because it was on Ken Burns baseball. Roger Clemens. Really? Yeah. I, now, he wouldn't be my pick as the guy I like the most or... And you can argue certain people, Nolan Ryan, Walter Johnson, but stat for stat, and despite the asterisks, the steroid shit, Clemens is a fucking beast, you know? If I gave you a million dollars and said, win me a baseball game, get me a pitcher, who would it be? From that era? Yeah, modern era. Well, 90s isn't really Nin- modern Cle- era. Clemens, yeah. Clemens, really? Yeah. I go with yeah. Pedro, man. Well, he's a different kind of pitcher, too. Uh, yeah. I mean, the power pitchers thing, I mean, yeah. nowadays is kind of a yeah. lost art, honestly. Yeah. It's not really... I mean, Chris Sale kind of, like, rings a bell yeah. to me. Yeah. Fucking... Uh, who's the guy... Well, who's the one out in fucking San Fran who's hitting all the home runs every time he gets up there? Oh, what's that know. fucking guy's name? That pitcher? Fucking spacing out. Somebody's yelling at me right now. Yeah, somebody's sound, like, what the fuck? Cloud. Who's that fucking guy? So, like, you, so you said Roger Clemens, right? Yeah. Like, from a... Is there like is longevity into, in consideration for baseball stats? Like how many seasons they played versus say you had a pitch you did like yeah, three I mean, years of killer yeah, I mean, killer yeah. stats. Durability is mean, huge. Yeah, yeah longevity because there's people that went out like before their time. Lou Gehrig went out yeah. before he was ready. Like almost Ted Williams missed fucking seven fucking seasons because of the war. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the prime of his right, career. Right. You know, there's a, a bunch of dudes that went to the war. A, a couple of misconceptions is that Ted Williams was like almost in a heroistic fashion, like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. No, he was pissed about it at first. Like, he, he didn't want to do it. But he was, but, like, superhuman. He had, like, fucking, like, 40-20 yeah, vision yeah, or some shit like yeah. that. He's, like, fucking Audie Murphy and shit. You know? <laughs> well, he was fucking George Bush's wingman. Fucking, he, like, yeah. like, one of them saw each other. Uh, Bush got shot down. Yeah. And I think he was there for that, like, the whole event or whatever. Oh, are they wingman? Yeah. Oh, not like, going to a bar getting some No, no, there was, ass? like, fucking, like, uh, they were in the Air Force. Wingman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, George Bush got uh, shot down in, I th- what was it, World War II or Korea? Yeah, it's too bad he fucking didn't stay over there, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How evil do you think is Trump? I mean, this fucking, this Trump shit compared to fucking Bush I, now is suddenly I, fucking. I, I, I'm so confused. I didn't think Trump for a second would get in. Yeah. Because I'm a true believer in the few ruling the many. Um, I believe the world, not just the country, and I believe if you truly do the right research and you don't come to this conclusion, you might be stupid. The, the small, small people who are in charge of big oil primarily, big pharma, and the military-industrial companies are the masters of this planet. And anything that happens in that White House is based on the whims of those people. And if the sheer amount of lobbyists in Washington can't confu- convince you of that, then you're just not seeing it for what it is. Mm. 
so when Trump got in, I was like, what the fuck? Because I thought till the last second it'd be Hillary because she's of those people right. that I mentioned, you know? And he doesn't seem like he is, but I had to just stop paying attention, man. It's fucking crazy right now. Just when all that surface tension between the right and the left and the liberals and hardcore conservative Texans and the hate, it's just tough for me. Seeing these that was a brutal campaign cycle. Yeah, seeing these Antifa fools and like, you know, yeah. they don't realize George Soros is fitting the bill for all their bullshit. And oh, yeah. It, I think when you're smart enough, like the people around this table, you can kind of, you may have, have varying opinions, but you can look at the broad picture and be like, what goes on day to day in Washington is very similar to what went on in imperialistic Rome. You know, like there are certain people that want it to be seen a certain way and everybody else is subject to that. And whatever you have to convince them, you just convince them, you know, pessimistic way to look at shit, but you know. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with it. By yeah, any means. And your average everyday person that I meet, if they have light beer and cable television, they don't give a fuck. So. Right. You think though that fucking Russia fucking hacked into the shit and, and fucked it up or was the majority really, I, I, I have a real hard time believing if the NSA knows what porno you watched yesterday that they wouldn't be on top of that shit instantly. Yeah. I really do. I, yeah. you know, I, they know everything when they want to know everything. You know what I mean? So I've said it a few times on the podcast, but when he got elected, I was in Denver on tour, yeah. sitting next to Bonnie from Napalm Death on a couch. Yeah. Name dropper. That's fucking Name awesome. Dropper, right? That's awesome. So it's, that's an event, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. But then the next morning, we wake up in Kansas, yeah. fucking go in the gas station, and some guy behind the counter is telling my guitar player that the earth is fucking flat. Yeah. And it kind of fucking put the whole perspective of the country in a new perspective for me because I was like, this is so fucking confusing. Like, it's so complex out here. You want to hear something crazy? I was in New York City with my ex-girlfriend, Sarah, uh, when Osama bin Laden was supposedly killed. And it was kind of wild. Like, I went out around new york by myself because she didn't want to go out and uh it's a lot of it was weird man seeing full depict like full um like articles documenting every aspect of how they got them how the mission went down hitting the newsstand in front of me at like 2 a.m yeah you know? it seemed like bullshit to me you know like a black car it's it, seemed, it, it seemed like a false flag operation yeah it reminds me this reminds me of uh and JFK with yeah. Donald Sutherland yeah. talking, and he's all like, "That's a great you know, scene. I, I love that scene. scene." But he's in like New yeah. Zealand, and like an hour later, they yeah. have the full fucking story. And, and, and you know. for all that movie, that movie has some inconsistencies. It bends the truth here and there, and I do think maybe Jim Garrison bent the truth a little bit based on what I know now. But I absolutely believe. What's your you theory know? on fucking the on on the autopsy photo? You oh, I mean, that's a deep theory. I believe that autopsy photo is a photo of, I believe it's Glenn Tippett, the cop that was shot by Lee Hot, supposedly. Yeah. The guy who was supposedly killed by Oswald with a handgun hours after the assassination, or like an hour after the assassination, was known as a JFK lookalike in that department. You know, he was JFK for Halloween once because their faces were very reminiscent of each other. And then, is an ironic fact is that. <laughs> The Dallas police only had handguns and shotguns, right? But there's a photo, 
I think his name was J.D. Tippett. There's a photo of this cop, you know, probably late 20s, early 30s, that kind of looks like JFK, and his name's J.D. Tippett. And he's seen in the photos of them, you know how they had photos of them lining up transients? Right, right. One of those fucking transients is like E. Howard Hunt from the FBI, dressed like a bum. And then next to him, or in one of the other photos of the same activity, is J.D. Tippett. Holding a rifle that fires the same caliber as the round that supposedly hit Kennedy. So ironic, and this is all factual, you know. And ironically, an hour later, he's murdered in a street in a Dallas neighborhood, supposedly by Lee Harvey Oswald, with a handgun that fires a similar caliber bullet. And then an hour after that, or maybe a little longer, RFK and Jackie are brought in to a room to examine the body and they're like it doesn't look like him and the you know explanation was like well he got shot in the head his face is contorted but if you look at the photo his ears are completely different but it looks a lot like this cop jd tippett so it's a convoluted story but after years of research yeah you know that, so if anybody wants a reference for this, it's on the cover of uh, Caucus. Wake up and smell the caucus. It is, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And ironically, I'm not the biggest caucus fan. I, I don't even really get crucified. You know my favorite caucus album is fucking Swan Song. That's actually mega underrated. It totally is. They Thank did you, a band Andrew. after that called, I think, Black Star. They had one album, and it's in that vein, but better. Oh, really? Yeah. That's definitely one of the yeah. songs on that. I like Necroticism. I think Hot Work is widely overrated, although it ushered in a genre. Actually, here's a topic that you'll find interesting. So I have a lot of friends that like metal, friends like Tim Giblin and Metal George, who haven't stayed up with the modern era. And I've heard this quote from other people, and I'm sure they would agree with it, that we live in an era where dudes like that, that love hot work and slaughter of the soul, are like, yeah, I don't get metal now. Where the fuck are the riffs? It's yeah. all atmosphere, bro. It's all atmosphere. And... To the point where there's such a disconnect that if I play like melodic death metal in here, like something from like Black Sun Records from 1996, Gates of Ishtar or some shit, my coworkers are like, "This is fucking metalcore," you know? <laughs> right? Because they so don't melodic, yeah, yeah, because they don't. Their association with that is not not all my coworkers. The youngest kid that works for me, sure. but a lot of like the younger people that come in here. Like, if you put that shit on, they're like, they think it's, you know, unearthed, you know? Well, it ties into the kind of the era that we met in, like, yeah. early 2000s, yeah. and especially yeah. Massachusetts band, yeah. like, fucking yeah. And a lot of embrace. death metal yeah. is, like, a dirty word now, you know? There oh, were absolutely. some fucking great bands from that era, you know? Um, Sweden Chusets. That's what they called it. And we all kind dude, of joked about it. That first band. Night Rage album, you ever fuck with that? No. It's that Greek dude from that band, Exhumation. It's a great story. There's a Greek melodic death metal band called exhumation in the vein of early in flames but with solos the guitar player is named mario Ilopoulos, and he also has i believe the dude's name is gus g from that power metal f band firewind, firewind. yes right. play with ozzy yeah, yeah yeah and uh they're they're both from greece and they had this band I, I don't know that gus g was in exhumation but it was mario's band but they were boys and when Exhumation broke up, he wanted to make an album in Sweden with his idols. So he moved to Sweden, and for three years, he worked some bullshit, like, busboy job or some fucking kitchen aide, a kitchen helper, and uh, slowly made connections with the amazing riffs he had recorded. And he got 
Tomas Lindbergh to sing on it, and he got Frederick Nordstrom to record it for him for free. Really? And then Century Media signed it. And they're not on Century Media anymore. I think they're on their five or six full length, maybe more. And uh, Tomas doesn't sing anymore. But that first album, it's called Sweet Vengeance. Really? It's a fucking banger. And uh, it's from the early 2000s. And uh, it even has like guest vocals. The Evergrey dude sings on it. Oh, yeah. That and it kind of skated under the radar because it was like at that tail end of melodic death metal like being popular. So it was almost becoming like, oh, you can't fuck with that genre anymore. It's not cool, you know? Right, right. But, Do you think uh, people are generally a decade behind of the shit that they get into? Like, you may, maybe like we're ten years late. Maybe the shit that's coming out now, we may get into ten years later. I think people aspire for the old style. Yeah, you know? I, but, but this will be the old style in ten years from now. But, but that being said, I stay up on everything new. Yeah, because I'm definitely not one of those naysayers who's like, "Fuck, there ain't been anything good since fucking 1990, bro." You're not looking hard enough. You're not, because every year, to me, every year, heavy music, yeah, but what I mean, in general, my perspective is every year it gets better, you know, some of it may not be as genuine, but I mean, I don't have any shortage each month of new shit that's mind-bending to me, you know? Most people I've interviewed on podcasts at least five years now. Always listen to the old shit. Oh, it's the old shit, just the old shit's the best, old shit's the... Yeah, I mean, new shit's coming up. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It's and just you're not taking that time. And I will have to say that talking about like hipper, younger people getting in and maybe not being there when certain things like started and jumping on the bandwagon. But I think this amalgam of all these different styles has created some interesting shit. Like when you have like these post rock black metal bands now, some of that stuff's amazing. My favorite current band for, like, new stuff is this band from the Pacific Northwest, The Flight of Slepnir. Have you heard that? Yeah. Shit's amazing. It's, like, black metal, doom metal, and proggy elements, but with this almost, like, Bathory-esque Viking mythos, and it's so compelling, you know? That's probably some of the most accomplished metal music. Maybe not technically, but from a songwriting standpoint. And that's new, you know? And, uh, you know... Newer black metal bands like that fucking Nightbringer from Colorado. That yeah, band's yeah. fucking amazing, dude. Well, uh, one of the bands we geeked out about a few years ago, and this kind of is like kind of the age that we live in, where there's bands honing in on specific styles that were once kind of like somewhat unattainable or unimaginable. But uh, Calendam Brood, I love called, that. Oh uh, yeah, the, that's like yeah. total summoning yeah. worship. I I I do like the Spotify or YouTube in the bathroom in the morning. Because I'm getting older and it gets so much hotter to get rolling. Right. So I'll find something to just listen to, put the iPhone in the windowsill. And I came across like some shit this morning from like a summoning tribute, had some different bands and like Caladan Brood doing, I think it was like Passing of the Gray Company or. Oh, really? Dude, I fucking love summoning so much. That's a top 10 for me. Really? Oh, yeah. Something about it, dude. And then that Caladan Brood is just as good, you know? It's better produced. That. I mean, it's it, but Utah. I mean, um, what, what's the other fucking um? Oh Christ, I'm forgetting about the band from Utah. That's pretty good too. Fucking um, I seen them at fuck Visigoth. So, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. 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 Fucking, but like them and fucking Caladan Brood are like the two Utah bands. Fucking like I can say that Caladan Brood got me to read that first Malazan Book of the Fallen because that's what that series is about. Oh, is that, that's the Tolkien stuff or whatever. It's no, it's uh, this dude Steven Erickson. The first book's called Gardens of the Moon. 
You think Game of Thrones is complicated? That I'm first watching that, Game that, of Thrones. That, Game of AIDS, everybody dies. It's so amazing, it's okay. though. It's amazing. <laughs> There's some details that I always can't, I gotta focus on. Like, you just said you just grab your phone, you're in the bathroom, yeah. fucking throw it in your windowsill, yep. and you can hear three new bands by the time you it, finish Now, the that's probably a story in itself. It's crazy, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can never not let that go. Like, at any point, you can yeah. just hear new shit. Yeah. Fucking yeah. like that. Well, go go back two yeah, decades. Yeah. Well, we were, I was talking about it yesterday because I'm I'll talk to some of my close friends on the phone for two hours like a girl, you know, and uh, <laughs> saucy. And my friend George Metal George that we keep talking about, who's one of my closest, we talked the other day about remember blind buying at the record store. Yep. Just on artwork, dude. I probably look like such an asshole if I'm record shopping because I got that fucking phone out. I'm not taking up. a chance anymore. Yeah. You know, if it looks like, and now you got the stickers. Like for fans of yeah, like I got uh that new uh, Valen Fire yesterday. It's oh, a, yeah. it's like dudes from uh, Paradise Lost and My Dying Bride playing like wicked vicious like doomy death metal. It says Doom Death Goth Crust on the fucking front, <laughs> right? And it says for fans of in produced by fucking Kurt Ballou from Converge. Jeez. So there's some cross pollination going on, but right. even with those stickers, so that's kind of how it starts. You see the sticker and you're like, all right. That's in my wheelhouse of interest. Then you go on the interweb and you look at the reviews, you know, angry metal guy. Uh, oh, yeah. They're pretty harsh on shit. I kind of trust their opinion because, like, they'll shit on, like, a lot of stuff. So if something gets five stars there, it's kind of like I'm not taking as big a chance, you know. I like auto thrall. Yeah, I like that, too. From the Dust Return blog, yeah. fucking internet blog there. And now, you know, with metal archives and... Well, those reviews are kind of jaded, but I, I like it as a resource. Huh. As a resource, know, like, right. You know. Right. But, you so, know, that being said, if, I don't know, you're, you're like, oh, I got this Titan Blood album, for instance, in my hand. Uh, you know, you go on and see the review average. If it's dicey, like 76%, you're kind of like, eh, there's one guy that gave it 100, another dude that gave it a 40. They have varying fucking taste. Yeah. That's all that is. Right. But if there's eight reviews and it's averaging out at 94, you're kind of like, all right. Safe. Eight people reviewed this and it's hitting ninety four percent. There's nobody with less than ninety. You know, let's hypothetically, right? Let's, let's buy that. You know, yeah. And that usually it ends up working out most of the time. You know, you follow any like specific labels? Like you just locked in on yes. anything? Yeah. Profound law for sure. Yeah. Sometimes I think it edges on hipster, but in a good way. Um, Doctor Scent's good now. Yeah. Um, I heard you guys mention Unique Leader on one of the podcasts. I kind of avoid that because I'm not super into brutal death metal yeah. unless it's avant-garde, like fucking Cathelist and shit. Oh, right. Then I'm all over it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I respect what they're doing. Uh, who else? Um, Season of Mist puts out a lot of good shit yeah. for higher-end bands, you know? But Remember, you turned me on to Shadow Kingdom Years Back ago. in that Tim Shadow Kingdom. He's got a, a dicey reputation in the... Oh, really? Yeah, in the metal world. Yeah. <laughs> but he's put out some great shit, dude. I mean, fucking... Every, was it Iron Sword? You got me into them? Portuguese fucking Portuguese, band. yeah. Portuguese band singing about Robert E. Howard and, <laughs> and Lovecraft. I didn't know they singing about Robert E. Howard. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this, that from that teenage like geek standpoint, there's still certain shit. Like, I'm down to listen to Blunt Ass Nord sing about some, like, real cryptic, weird, kind of quasi-spiritual or scientific shit. That's cool, but if it's a band with some Conan or Lovecraft on the cover and it's traditional, 
yeah. I'm a sucker. Like the eternal know? champion. That shit's amazing. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> that shit's amazing. And, and those kids. They're going to blow up. Yeah. If they haven't already. Yeah. And those kids come from like a, the hardcore background, just like Magic Circle, you know? Yeah. But there are exceptions because I was a hardcore punk rock kid in the 90s too. But there are exceptions of people that are true to it, like Brendan Radigan from Stone Dagger and Magic Circle and like, you know, the Eternal Champion kids. You're not writing shit that compelling if you're not super into you know real shit right you know i mean how far is brockton from here not that far brockton was a big hardcore scene right am i wrong yeah but hardcore back then was like almost segregated into styles brockton was like kind of tough guy gangstery you know tough guy yeah my view of hardcore punk is that you know you can be a nice guy and pick somebody up in the pit and still love the chromag's age of coral album <laughs> you know true like, i like some tough sounding shit but I don't like the don't idea of people getting their asses beat. <laughs> yeah. you know? I finally saw Shia Terra last year. I mean, that's going to be good no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> the new that's, stuff sounds good. You know, that's fucking hardcore right there. Well, yeah, I like it because yeah. it sounds like Celtic Frost. Yeah. And, you know, but it's like it ha definitely has a metal edge to it. I mean, there's that great EP that Josh Silver produced from Typo Negative. Fucking yeah. just class production. I definitely like <clears throat> a lot of the modern bands that skirt that line between like the d beat and the hardcore or even like some death metal and hardcore right i'm a huge so baba kind of that band's awesome man. yeah i'm a huge integrity fan you know certain eras especially like systems overload is probably one of my favorite albums of all time no matter what the genre you know um you know but for older is somebody knocking yeah somebody's knocking the all door. right let's go see who it is hopefully it's not a crackhead it might be he might have walked off i'm not sure Oh, he's knocking again. We got somebody coming in. <laughs> he wants. He's telling all about the tattoos down the street. Fucking, he wants his name. Fucking. We're gonna leave this running. I'm not editing this shit. We're gonna let this roll. So, uh, he has two friends. But a lot of flash work on the walls here, dude, huh? Lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to cut any of this shit. This is so, uh, straight So you just had, I mean, would you consider fucking crackish, like uh, that interaction? or uh, No, that was, uh, was like an immigrant. One of the, the clients, either Guatemala or hardworking people, you know, just the language barrier. In one of the podcasts, I heard you talking about, like, learning Spanish. Yeah. I had that fucking four years of Spanish in high school, but I skated through that shit by the skin of my teeth. I don't remember any of it, you know? Well, but it would help in that situation, you know? But this situation, like, especially when I go anywhere else in America, I tell people, I'm like, you're more beneficial learning Portuguese up here. There's mad Brazilians, especially in this area. There's I, a lot I would of say there. living in New Bedford in general, yeah. Portuguese would help. Yeah. yeah. You know? Depends what part of Mass you're in, though. Yeah. Spanish, if you're near Lowell or... Yeah. Um, but even like in Framingham and parts of Hudson, Marlborough, there's a lot of Brazilians Portuguese nowadays, too. you know? Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of... Port I mean, that's where fucking Nuno Betancourt came from. And True. Sharon and all the extremes. You know, band. Portuguese people are, you know... It's very like angry, a, Andrew. Very the, the, angry. And they're a very tight-knit community, you yeah. know? They've been known to be kind of isolated and insular, you know? And and I, I, I... One of the things that really impresses me about the ethnic groups that live in this area. And there's a lot of them that are kind of from that Latin descent. 
and I don't mean Portuguese because Portuguese is European. Right. There's people here that think if you're Portuguese, you're Hispanic, and that's simply not true. Um, but, you know, th- this is like there's all these little ethnic enclaves down here, basically. And they've brought their culture with them to the point where they'll create these little small four, five, six block communities. Like at the end of this avenue where nothing stays open, right? There's been a fucking Guatemalan boot shop that sells like used boom boxes and like leather cowboy boots in business for like eight or nine years. Oh, shit. Somebody's frequenting that place. And, you know, you can go into these little areas where they've just come from what they know and recreated a smaller version of what they know and they might live hard but they survive you know you got a lot of respect for that you know what i mean so the city has a lot of that city gets a bad rap it's got a lot to offer you know you think it's turning around (sighs) i don't know that's almost like a trick question no i don't i think it's turning around in certain areas you know like downtown yeah downtown's turnaround is based on grimy punk rock kids too what do you the f- mean? The first thing that went in downtown when nobody wanted to fucking be down there was Solstice Skateboarding 20 years ago. And then after that, friends of theirs, punk rockers, skateboarders, started a burrito shop called No Problemo, which is so well-known and so popular that they stay busy from the second they open till the second they close. Every other business that's surviving down there now, with the exception of the old mom and pop, pl- pop places that were already there, like Cotter's Clothing and shit. They're all doing well because those two businesses broke ground, you know? Right. Um, and now it's like a thriving downtown community, you know? So used to be the fucking whaling capital of the world. Whaling capital. It's still the third, second or third. I believe it's the third largest commercial fishing port in the entire planet. I think this, this port, though, actually grosses more from seafood than yeah. Alaska. And it also is bordered by the third most polluted river on the face of the planet, oh, the Akushnet River. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's yeah, my polluted? mom used to play in that shit when she was a kid, you know? Really? Yeah. Her right. backyard was like uh, like the brackish like part of it as it like turns into, I believe, the Taunton River. But uh, PCBs, man, it's pollution from the textile mills. Oh, yeah. Well, this but, whole, I mean, Fall yeah, River, was, this yeah. whole area was known for huge, Huge industry, man. Yeah. But it's a it's a coastal community, and what you get with the coastal communities is people are going to make a living from that sea one way or another. You I know? think uh, if I remember correctly, New Bedford was the first city in the world to have fucking public streetlights because it was like the fucking the oil, like the whale oil. Fucking, I don't know about it. that fact, but I'm not. You know, it sounds feasible for sure. Um, you go to that area like that that downtown area, Foster Hill. It's like. All those widows' walks and all those old houses, seventeen fifties, and yeah, you know, that industry hasn't been gone that long. You know, it's been like sixty years, I think, since it. What? Well, since it became worldwide illegal. I mean, it's been a while since it was, you know, real prevalent here. But a couple yeah. hundred years isn't that long. You know, so fucking Donald Trump this week pulls out of this Paris Treaty, fucking for like cabin yeah. fucking emissions. Nice segue. Well, like, but yeah. we're one of two fucking countries. Well, three countries. You got Nicaragua and fucking Syria. The only one like established modern fucking civilizations that don't adhere to this treaty, right? And um, and us. It's kind of just. It's got me thinking though. Like, do they know something that we don't know? Like fucking like, is there like some sort of impending doom coming? Perhaps with the torrid meteor stream or something like that. Know. You know, fucking. I mean. Look, sometimes late at night, if I'm getting way too into the documentary shit on YouTube and you start convincing yourself of some sketchy shit. That's a rabbit hole. Yeah. 
You, you, you read Graham Hancock? No, no. I'm familiar with it, but I don't read it. I've been reading so much shit about past mass extinction events lately. Right. I mean, one of the main things is uh, that sketches me out is I, conspiracy theories are only theories when there's no fact. But you can go and look at facts about men that had created clean energy patent devices that have died mysteriously and it's not two or three guys it's hundreds of them you know what worries me is that these people that hold the oil as the primary resource for human progress are holding on to it with the stranglehold that borders on violence and i don't think we can progress progress as a people unless we let go of that but the people that stranglehold it are so powerful Right. Um, you know, it's just, you know. I don't know. I just kind of spent a lot of time contemplating, like, what if we knew a fucking asteroid was coming at us and fucking... Right. Right. I'm just kind of surprised that there hasn't been more uh, privatization of industry kind of right. utilizing, like, mining those things because right. there's, like, crazy fucking rare right. earth materials on there worth trillions right. of dollars, right. you know? Like, um, my old man said something to me the other day because I'm tight with my parents and they're super intelligent people and... He said, you know, I drive a brand new Mazda 6. And uh, he said, if you went back in time and got a Model T Ford and you fucking parked it next to your Mazda 6, they're vastly different in technology. So different that it's almost unrecognizable one to the other, except that it's something you can sit in with wheels. But they run the same fucking way. That doesn't sketch anybody out. You know, like... I think that there's a secret space program. I think that they've unlocked zero-point energy. I think all these things are real, and they're kept from us because you cannot keep us in a fossil fuel era if you admit to the people what you actually have for technology. And I think that's the, the tragic flaw in the human evolution is greed, you know? Yeah. Because these people, once they... Look, if you're... Uh, you know, a multi-millionaire or billionaire working for BP Oil or one of those companies, and somebody tells you that you made $100 million last year and that you could reverse some of the woes of this planet if you only made $2 million next year, you think they're going to fucking do it? It would take a whole change of the fundamental system of who we are, you know? Right, absolutely. So I think that's the type of shit I think about a lot, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, then there's been a lot of speculation, like, read about like uh we talked about on one of the podcasts about like sedonia fucking moon rooms and shit like that yeah, yeah. fucking ancient civilizations and yeah. like antarctica being fucking atlantis yeah. yeah and if that was actually acknowledged it would be like some sort of systematic collapse of fucking right. civilization right. based off the morality of religion being disproven right. etc right. you know i uh i get super into the ufo thing and that's when people they lose you because because it's a thing that's been turned into the pseudoscience, right? Right. But what most Americans don't realize if they really do the research is that almost every astronaut that's been part of our space program has seen things up there that make absolutely no sense, that move in ways that can't be explained, that human technology can't move, and then you have the tampering with our nuclear program. Do you know about any of this? Not really. Do you know that as a nation, we've had multiple, I'm not talking five, six, seven, or ten, multiple instances where objects that move in ways that are so beyond what our technology can do have shown up over our nuclear missile facilities. 
and tampered with the material. We've had Nike Zeus anti-missile nuclear test fires get blasted out of the air by orb-shaped objects. Um, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that your average American Fuck has no clue. Here, this, is all, this is all factual. This, this is all real stuff that you can look up. We've had situations, I believe it was Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, uh, and I believe it was in the 80s, but don't quote me on that. But the event is a real event where a red orb tracked on radar from deep space showed up over a nuclear missile facility that the U.S. has control of and started shutting down all the ICBMs. Now, those ICBMs are on a fail-safe operating system. So the missiles are housed in one facility, and the launching mechanism is on a computer mainframe in a completely different place. Not only did the missiles go offline, but the operating systems went offline, and they could never get them back on. And this has happened multiple times. Um, we had a... Uh, ICMB, that's an intercontinental, in, intercontinental ballistic missile. Ballistic missile okay. yeah. And some fucking spaceship or UFO... Well, some unidentified fucking, flying object. Like, totally disarms them, robs yes, them of the yes. ability to arm themselves. Yes. Fucking Christ. Dude, Jesus. The, the amount of testimony from airline pilots, from astronauts from government employees in their retirement stages that there's an extraterrestrial presence engaging this planet and its populace is it's fucking crazy. Now it doesn't mean you have to believe it. Yeah. But when you delve into it and see how much factual evidence there is. So it doesn't mean it's a UFO from outer space. It just means that something that maneuvers in ways that we don't understand. Right. has been seen by somebody of note and then they testified to it under oath in a lot of these cases. Uh, you ever listen to Hypocrisy Abducted? No. Well, at the beginning of that album, there's like audio samples. Oh, by a part. I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was a oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, My yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, I think I have that. <laughs> so at, at the beginning, you know, they got the UFO thing going. And at the beginning of that album, there's samples from the Bentwaters Air Force Base incident. I think it was 1980, and it was a joint base in uh, England near this place called Rendlesham Forest. It was an RAF base with five miles of forest, and then on the other side of the forest was a U.S. base, and, and it was part of the nuclear program. And over the course of the holiday week from Christmas to New Year's 1980, objects showed up repeatedly that high-ranking members of the U.S. government tracked and even came in close proximity with. Supposedly one of them was triangular with, like, strange hieroglyphs. And the story gets even sketchier. And then, like, witnesses were forced to retract statements and um, some crazy shit. There's a book called Left at East Gate. Really? Yeah, you should read that book. Um, I have one book. I still haven't read the, uh, the Doc Mission. I've not read that. It was on, um, was it Feral House, the one that put out Lords of Chaos, that same oh, yeah, publishing company? Yeah. What's it about? I think it's about NASA and fucking some secret program. Oh, uh, perhaps fucking space, whatever. It's been in my fucking... J Reddit, fucking J. Am I bad for monopolizing conversation? No, no, I love no. talking. So, oh no, we like to talk about. How dare you stuff. talk on a yeah. podcast? <laughs> but how? So you know that beer? I'm not a big space guy. I'm not a big uh, conspiracy uh, yeah, guy. One of the, yeah, you're a skeptic. No, no, like I, I just don't uh, know enough. Oh, you don't know enough. All right, yeah. Um, the pure size of. The universe. Have you ever seen those videos and it zooms out? It shows how big Earth yeah, is and then yeah. fucking the zooms Hubble, out. The Hubble Deep Field. Every time it takes a photograph, there's 100 million stars present. 
and you you end up seeing you know the the pure maybe even the pure scope of the universe of what we can see right now. Right. For anybody to think completely we're alone. say there right. is no other living matter or any other type of life form, right? Based on just the size alone, right? That's a, a poor statement. It is. We don't, it like, is. It's way too huge to even begin right. to scope. Right. Don't like close it out right. and say right. there's nothing out right. there. You ever heard about right. that shit? The, the like the ten dimensional, twelve dimensional, fold space fucking yeah, reality yeah, and yeah, all that yeah. shit. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean. There's this amazing book. Like, if you ever want to know about, like, the stuff I was just talking about, there's this book by this cat named Jim Mars. And you'll see him here and there on some of the conspiracy shows. And But he's, like, a pretty credible guy, in my opinion. Sure. He wrote uh, Crossfire. It's the book that the JFK movie was loosely based on. One of the two books. Right about that. He wrote a book called Alien Agenda, which is... It's not speculation, and it's not an opinion. It's just sheer fact. Right. And it's fucking crazy. Well, my favorite account from that is uh, Billy Myers. Oh, so you read it. Yeah. We talked about this actually on, on one, the episode with uh, Jay Blaisdell. Jay, Jay's yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah, that's a great book, and it's, it's phenomenal. Dude, the shit about the moon being hollow mm-hmm. and the sheer evidence to support what those guys saw up there. That shit's fucking crazy. Yeah, you'd probably enjoy Jay's episode if you. If yeah, you I'll this jump on that. You oh, ever, yeah. you it's ever a two-hour the... sort of conspiracy episode, more you, or less. You ever seen the shit about atmospheric beasts? No. So there's this phenomenon that they call atmospheric beasts. So many NASA guys saw so much weird shit up there that they they started researching it. And I, I believe a lot of it was done secretly at NASA, um, but I know there were people researching it. And there was a couple of people that came back with the opinion that some of these things up there that move in like strange patterns, some of it they've caught on video, they look like jellyfish. I know it sounds crazy, right? There's some YouTube videos of it, but it's grainy and it could be argued that it's this or that. But the bottom line is there's people from the space program that saw things up there when they turned the ultraviolet cameras on or lenses on, lights that pulse it almost looks like a, an organism in a microscope and nothing's supposed to be moving out in space and there were a couple of scientists that came to the conclusion that they, they call them atmospheric beasts <laughs> and the one guy's argument was that before we discovered the thermonuclear vents at the bottom of the ocean we were convinced that around the vent itself no life would live because it's theorized to be high pressure sulfur and you know whatnot and just not a livable atmosphere and then when they got down there each one of the vents is its own ecosystem teeming with life and there are people that knowledgeable people that came to this conclusion that they believe life exists even in the dead of space because everywhere you go on this planet they find life you know i mean you go to the bottom of like the bering strait where it's so cold that you would die in five minutes and there's life that goes all the way from bacterial to whales. So, you know, who's to say? Oh, I know. It's like only like less than 1% of the ocean floor has been truly fucking right. mapped or discovered. Right. So, you know, yeah, whatever, like 100% that. of it's been fucked with by us. You, know? <laughs> you need to get uh, him and Jay on. Uh, I know. I'll get a panel. That's, yeah, is he into all this stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah that yeah. sounds like it would be fun. Yeah, I'll get you guys. you got to get him yeah. down here. He needs to be yeah. a tattoo guy. Fucking anyways. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like there was like, um, it was like one of these Graham Hancock talks. He was speaking about there was some new discovery in it's fucking Herbie um, Hancock. No, Graham Hancock guy. Fucking like, it's in um, the Mediterranean, like right off of Sicily. There's like all sorts of like, there's some sort of pre-established shit that's so elaborate. There's 
not like somebody would go down there and build it underwater. Right. You know, it was right. it was buried. Right. Like, um, what about you know anything about uh, Gobleki Tempe? Fucking out in Syria, uh, yeah. Turkey or Syria. Yeah. I will say a lot of a lot of that stuff's really interesting, like the alien, the ancient alien shit. But that fucking show, man. So being somebody that's super into this topic, you know, that show does such a disservice to the UFO shit, and that like, you know, when people reference it, I'm like, yeah, that's just somebody trying to make a show. They maybe had two episodes worth of material that they turned into like ten seasons, but. My interest in the topic actually came from a sighting. Now, I basically hid my eyes, but I did see it. But uh, I'll tell you about it. And uh, and the reason you'll know I'm telling the truth is because I'll admit that after my father and I saw what we saw, I was sketched out enough that I slept on the floor for a long... My parents' <laughs> bedroom floor at 10 years old yeah. for as long as they would let me. Yeah. And it wasn't just a couple weeks. It was a long time. And uh, I'll remember it as plain as day. We were sitting in my living room, which is like in a house at the beginning of Cape Cod in Fairhaven in 1988 when I was 10 years old, watching the Cosby show. And my dad stood up and said, what the fuck? And hovering in the distance over what we perceived to be like the Plymouth Cover area, based on the distance and where it was, was an elliptical blue object moving at a slow rate of speed that stopped for 30 seconds and then took off that way over my house, over Martha's Vineyard, disappeared, and then, according to my old man, shot up into the atmosphere after it went out of the line of sight. And I, I saw a glimpse of it long enough to be scared out of my mind, and my dad watched the whole thing with such an interest. And that shit scared me so much that I slept on my parents' bedroom floor, like, indefinitely. Because I thought I was going to get abducted. I made the mistake a few years later of watching that Fire in the Sky movie yes. when I was in like eighth grade. Yeah. And, and I believe Travis Walton's story to be true, but that's a real butchering of what happened to him. It's very Hollywood. Okay. But, uh, you know, and then once I hit like 15, 16 and the fear subsided and became interest, I just absorbed every book and documentary I could. And, you know. Well, the Billy Myers story is the one that's actually always intrigued me, who's uh this one-armed dude that lives in Sweden. I think he might be even blind in one He has eye. a lot of questionable photos. But, but, like, he claims to be abducted. Like, by the fucking, Pleiadians. The Pleiadian yeah. fucking yeah. race. The Nordics, bro. Yeah, it's like a Nordic race of fucking aliens, Brian, that, like, ha- like they're, like, they kind of dress like Nazis or some shit, Well, right? so a lot of these modern abduction reports, which come from some very credible people and some of who have passed polygraphs repeatedly, so either it happened to them or they believe it happened. They would first report seeing the classic gray extraterrestrial, which some experts in the field now actually believe is synthetic, that it's actually like a worker race. Right. Sounds crazy, but but they would constantly report seeing tall, Aryan-looking humanoids, six-foot-nine, blonde hair, blue eyes, in like a very delicate-looking jumpsuit, like regal-looking, you know? Travis Walton reported that. Yeah, in the yeah, movie, he wakes guy. up in a yeah. fucking cocoon and shit. And mm-hmm. None of that happened to him. Well, that's playing into kind of the Ridley Scott fucking thing. And, yeah. You know, Alien 3 came yeah. out that same year. He he claims that he thought he was in the hospital and that there was nurses working on him. So he yeah. just didn't force himself to get conscious or like, you know, he was in and out. And then he says when his eyes adjusted, there was a fucking gray looking at him. And he lost his mind and... But in hindsight, he believes that whatever happened to him, they saved him. Do you know about this story? No, not at all. Oh, all right. So, yeah. so in 1975, not to cut you off, but uh, in 1975, there was a logging crew in a place called Snowflake, Arizona. 
clear cutting a national forest for the U.S. government. And on their return down the mountain one night, they saw strange lights. They thought it was a plane crash. Then they thought it was a fire. They go to investigate. Supposedly, there's a classic disc-shaped object hovering off the ground. 25-year-old, I believe he was 25 at the time, year old man named Travis Walton, in a very adventurous gesture, gets out of the vehicle and gets under the thing. Then his friends see him get shot back 35, 40 feet and fall down perceivably dead. And out of sheer fear, they take off. And Travis Walton's not seen for days. There's a statewide manhunt. His friends are being investigated for murder. And he shows back up on a mountain pass um, a couple of days, uh, five or six days later. And he thought he was gone a matter of hours, but he had full beard growth. And, you know, he's passed multi, multiple polygraph tests, and all five witnesses passed polygraphs except one who had, like, a, a case of nervousness. But in subsequent years, they've been tested over and over again with the technology, and they pass over and over again. And, you know, he had extraterrestrial experience, or so he claims. You know, yeah. I believe him. It's, it's a fucking awesome movie. Yeah, it's frightening. The movie, yeah, the, Hollywood. They Hollywooded the fuck out of that movie. He wakes up in will. a, he wakes up in a fucking cocoon and shit. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, and they pull him through. It's just fucking. And it's like this forced procedure, yeah, you know, like, like, yeah, forced procedure where they shiving shit down his throat. It's like yeah. like some sort of like fucking uh, analysis, like species analysis, sort yeah, of like fucking yeah. thing. You know, they throw him on a table and they cover him in this what looks like some kind of rubber sheet and then you see this moisture come down and it like shellacks him to the table yeah i remember people bugging out because you could see his fucking cock you know like <laughs> at, the, at that time in 93 you didn't see a lot of dick in movies uh, this ain't game yeah. of thrones you know spartacus <laughs> and uh cocks left and right yeah but uh <laughs> but that yeah that, but he, he he in subsequent years came out and was like look that's not what happened that uh, Christopher Walken communion movie, which is also creepy, came out the same year. So the alien in that looks very traditional. So they went in a different direction. Right. So the extraterrestrial's helmet looks very gray-like. It's a angled helmet with big almond eyes. But the extraterrestrials in the movie look like some old ass men. <laughs> yeah, like they're mad weird looking. Body of like old men, dumpy asses and shit. Yeah, <laughs> but they're really frightening. Oh, absolutely. The fucking giant heads and shit. Do you know anything about fucking um, the speculation that there's, like, sites around the world where there's crystal skulls, like, with the elongated, like, oversized sarcophagus <sighs> yeah. and such? Well, there's a couple of different things. They found, uh, like, ancient skulls that are elongated, and then they found... Um, I think the crystal skull thing is bullshit. There's something close to that that's even crazier. You ever seen the Atacama humanoid? No, no, no. You ever heard of this... Dude, fucking Stephen Greer. Sounds familiar, but I can't say anything. He's like one of the main people in the UFO community, and there's mixed opinions about him. He's the one who funded that disclosure project in D.C. where they brought a lot of the airline pilots and people to testify in front of the National Press Club in like 2001. And uh, it didn't get a lot of press, but it was a lot of prominent people, you know. But uh, his crew of researchers were handed down something that they found in the Chilean desert, I believe it is, called the Atacama Humanoid. And uh, I'll grab my phone because i got to show it to you. I'm imagining, because it kind of relates sort of um, these stories of like, because you were the first to talk to me about the Anunnaki. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these supersized motherfuckers, you kind of start considering the relevance of fucking um, Machu Picchu, 
The fact mm. that it's got these massive stone thrones up there that are like kind of like geared to suit some dude who's 18 feet tall. Well, this yeah. is the exact opposite, right? This thing is six inches tall. Really? So when you see this thing, you're going to think it's a doll. Really? When I first saw it, I was like, come on. See this thing. So this fucking guy is... All right, I've seen this kind now, of Now, that thing was tested at Stanford. Stanford, California. Fucking revered fucking Ivy League fucking school. And it's literally like a fucking little fucking uh, exoskeleton. They, they know a few things about it. One, it lived between six and eight years. So that thing lived and breathed on Earth. Anaconda human. And it... It has somewhat human DNA. It's like 90% human DNA, but the rest of his DNA strands undocumented, you know? No shit. A lot of people think it, I believe it's called cratoclania dysplasia. A lot of people think it's like a growth disorder. But it's got an elongated skull. Like, it's kind of uh Right, right. Know. But it could have been like squished a sandwich under a rock at some point. Mm. Or, but regardless, a, a six-inch-tall human that lived six or eight years in the Chilean desert a thousand years ago is still a point of fucking interest. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable. Right. So, you know, may, maybe, you know. I think the ancient alien stuff is really overblown sometimes, but it's de- I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Do you, you think know? it ties in with anything, this whole thing about the fallen angels, like uh, Lucifer like Nephilim being, and stuff? Yeah, being descendants of like an exiled cast of people yeah. from Mars and yeah. shit. I think a lot of the Judeo-Christian, I don't want to use the term mythology because I know that offends some people, but in my mind, it's mythology. And it's a perfectly interesting mythology, right? But a lot of the the the, the Christ-based mythos, the biblical stuff, um, is certainly quite similar to some of these Sumerian stories, you know, these Earth Chronicles from couple thousand years before that i mean they even have an adam and eve story about the anunnaki like taking you know the story is they found homo erectus because they were trying to create a slave race to mine gold for them right that's the story and that they added their doctor who was named enki added uh extraterrestrial nephilim or anunnaki dna to homo erectus and then that's where homo sapien came from and it was a male right and then they wanted to create a female counterpart for breeding, so they took DNA from his rib bone. And that's essentially what's in the Sumerian tablets. And then that story replicates itself in the Judeo-Christian faiths, you know. But it's all, yeah. who, you know. Well, it's interesting. I, I just got this new book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. Yeah. And there's like a, like a speculation that Adam and Eve, when they eat this, the red apple, right, there's actually this one specific type of fucking um, psilocybin mushroom that's out in that area. Actually, I think it's on the cover of that Reverend Bazaar fucking demo. Oh, yeah, the fucking, Slice of Doom? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like the Strange Horizon cut. Yeah, yeah. And literally that word in whatever language or it, it's, it is, it translates uh, to the word red. Right. So what's interesting is like, you know, by the time Testament fucking guys writing the Testament start writing the story, right. they are describing a red hallucinogenic mushroom that's red and they just call it like a red fruit so apple is like the most natural fucking right. thing that's assumed right. you know right fucking so it's kind of like that whole thing about like a trip and shit like that dude s- stories come out of time you know and there's a lot that can happen to perception in a couple of thousand years you know just like evolution right darwin's yeah. theory of evolution i don't disagree that it's completely feasible but there's a part of me that kind of refuses to ex- like think that uh, 
the theory of graduality. Well, you, you know, like we've all evolved from a single cell organism, right? And yeah. To what we are now, but it'd be really boring. They they use a line similar to this in Alien Covenant, which was a fucking disappointment. But anyways, um, they use this line about how you know Mister Whalen is like. In a nutshell, I'm going to misquote it, but he's like, uh, I would hate to think that, like, you know, we were just uh, the byproduct of, like, molecular reaction, right? I, I would like, you know, I'd, I want to go out there and find out that even if that's possible, there's something extra, you know? But, like, I kind of think that way sometimes. Like, I, it would be kind of a bummer for the evolution theory that Darwin put out there to be the only, right? you know? We're too intelligent for that, though. And, and it's it's a hundred percent possible that we could have evolved in that fashion, but but there's still a big fucking jump in the process of evolution from yeah, fucking from missing link to yeah yeah the whole thing the yeah. Cro-Magnon, you know. Did, just, did, did you see Alien Covenant? No, not yet. I actually rewatched Prometheus, and my right. my chick never saw Alien, so I yeah. just bought the fucking quadrilogy. So uh, so wait, I don't mean to cut you yeah, off. Yeah. So you have music review sites. What do you have for music uh, for movies then? Like, what review sites do you trust for movies? I uh, just Rotten Tomatoes. I like that. You get the meta scores and all that shit. Isn't Fucking. that kind of weird? Me too. But, like, yeah. isn't that weird? Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like they have a monopoly on that now. They do. Yeah, because they did it right the first time. Because Alien Covenant's getting some good press, and it don't deserve it. Really? Yeah. I loved Prometheus. I rewatched uh, all right, that so yesterday. here's the thing. That movie's amazing. Right. Right? It. You can see exactly what happened, okay? Ridley Scott made this movie... He was very happy with it. It's called Prometheus. People that couldn't pick up on it being a really adequate prequel to the Alien saga are fucking idiots. And he, over the last couple of years, was making a movie called Alien Paradise Lost, which was going to be a direct sequel to Prometheus, where they were going to resolve the story of David and Elizabeth Shaw. And he gave in to pressure from everybody that talked shit about Prometheus being whack. Prometheus was weak sauce. And he, he made a movie that doesn't commit to being a Prometheus sequel, and it doesn't commit to being an alien movie. It becomes a half-assed version of both. And it's there's times in the movie where you're like, there's no way that Ridley Scott was trying, because he would never put somebody this dumb on screen, right? You talking about Kenny Powers? No, he's fucking awesome. All he's right. one of the best parts of that movie. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right? That's good and to like, hear. The, hey, listen, this is what they should call the movie when it comes out on Blu-ray, right? Okay. I want to suck Michael Fassbender's dick. Right? <laughs> it should be called, this used to be Aliens and now it's about robots. Oh, yeah. It's all about the androids, David and Walter, who are both both played by Michael Fassbender. And they're both great roles, you know, but. Well, the robot plays a crucial role. I mean, Ash and Alien, the original ones. Kind he of always like, plays a crucial of, role. Yeah, right. it's right. like, it's either, you know, with fucking, um, what was the name of the second one? He, he showed up and fucking saves right. the day, obviously. But, but think about the original Alien movie, right? Right. You can distill that movie down to like a couple seconds of talking. It's about space truckers that set down on a planet to track a signal, and a dude comes back with something attached to his face, an alien's born, it gets loose, and it fucks everybody up. Right. right. You start describing Prometheus and Alien Covenant to people. It's so convoluted. Like, this new ship, they're out in space. I'm not going to spoil much here, but... Yeah, I haven't even seen it yet. They have a new ship out in space, and it, like... You know, it's supposed to be the most advanced thing ever, and this tiny event disables it. They decide to check out a planet that they hadn't been scheduled to go to. And it's, like, these highly trained... The, the, the greatest fucking minds and, like hopes of humanity are out in the universe 
trying to make progress for us. And then they get on this planet and they're stumbling around without <laughs> fucking spacesuits on, right? Yeah. They're stumbling around without spacesuits on and in four seconds somebody's infected and then it turns into like an hour and a half more of horror movie tropes and then they take everything that was great about Prometheus and they're like, oh, you wanted answers? Ridley Scott's like, oh, you wanted answers but you talked mad shit about this movie. I'm going to give you... Not only am I going to give you no answers, I'm just going to create 5,000 more questions. <laughs> it's, Dude, I watched it like four times already because I got a fire stick. So I paid my uh, money to go see it. Yeah. But then I watched it on the fire stick. and I'm actually really excited to rewatch Alien 3. Yeah. Because I think that's one of oh, the darkest movies ones. ever. It's, it's tough. I actually, I fuck with Resurrection, bro, because Resurrection's almost like the Dark Horse comics on screen you know okay i mean it's not a great movie but it's very entertaining you know right well it's a good action yeah. if it's a follow-up yeah. like three kind of fail with the suspense angle i think one really right. absolutely had you, you know that whole element of like wondering from the first movie to the second movie like where do these xenomorphs come from even if the engineers did create them like they had to be some dna somewhere right it's like the most perfect animal right dude when they give you that answer in alien covenant you're gonna be like fuck you really fuck you just took <laughs> you just took this pure beautiful thing this most mysterious creature in movie history and you just fucked it completely like it's got sodomized forcefully you know dude but. the last movie i saw about space that really fucked me up and pretty much changed my life honestly was fucking interstellar yeah that's uh that dude that scene at the end where he's on the other side of the shelf yeah mm. it's crazy what well, the, the part where they touch down on that water planet, and then when they come back, the dude's been there for 23 yes, years. Yes, It's It's tough, man. Yes. that That's a good film, dude. That It hits on several different levels. Don't you get stressed with people when you talk about how good McConaughey is, and they're like, I don't like that, dude. Oh, I know, right. Oh, you don't like that, dude? You didn't watch- No, no, I you like him. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about them, you know? Yeah. You don't like that, dude? You didn't watch True Detective season one? Exactly. Fuck. That was the best season of TV I've ever seen in my Ever. Life. But season two gets a bad rap. You know what I, season I two? Get into it. I you know get what into season it. two is? What we got season two is in tombs clandestine. <laughs> get the fuck out of here! <laughs> it is. It, it is, bro. Really? Yeah, it is. What did you guys think of Arrival? Didn't see it. Didn't see it. it talks about like the. Um, I saw it. What What'd you think about? I it? liked it. I don't think I would watch it twice because it was arduous, you know. But I, I like. It was a good the concept. Movie. Was good. Yeah, yeah. It's a dark movie though. But very dark. Not yeah. a lot of payoff at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a Fastbender one too? Who's in that? Um, uh, Rachel, no. Rachel Mc, no, no. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Oh, or yeah. any other one I can. Yeah, I love like me her. some pasty ass redhead. So I, she's hot. Yeah. 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 Did you see fucking American Hustle? Christian Bale. I, I watched it just because the women in it. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence there. Yeah. She got that white get up there. It's fucking hot. <laughs> that white yeah. get she's, up. <laughs> she's she's a smoke show. Did you see Passengers yet? No. I like Chris Pratt, so it was worth it. But, uh, oh, I wanted to clarify, uh, True Detective Season 2 is in Tombs Clandestine because you you got clandestine after Left Hand Path back then, and you're like, this is nowhere near as good. But in subsequent years, it reveals itself as being amazing. Really? Yeah, and I think that's what... If True Detective Season 2 came out first, I don't think people would have had a big problem with it. You know, I could see that. It's a pretty dark show, and fucking Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn are so good in it, you know? Even the kid there, Taylor Kitsch, is good, you know? I could spend just those scenes in the bar. <laughs> the fucking band playing in the background, that shitty fucking band playing in the background. those scenes were pretty uh, like kind of introspective, you know? Wow, fucking season one, man, that fucking Carl Cosa. Fucking, yeah. Oh, dude, I literally have never enjoyed the season of TV 
as much as that. Yeah. The only thing that kind of comes close, I guess, is actually the wire. Fucking the wire had attention to it. That the wire is good. You watching this cult. American Gods yet? No. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. The Neil yeah. Game. Uh, yeah. What do you call his face? The I, I can't really tell you exactly what it's about because it's it's kind of crazy. But in the in a nutshell, it's about this cat named Shadow Moon. This dude that gets released from prison and he meets. Uh, What's that dude? That actor Ian McShane. I love that dude. Oh yeah, fucking Swearingen. He, he meets Swearingen on a plane, right? <laughs> yeah. I love the way the Asian dudes say his name in in Deadwood, but uh, <laughs> but um, I, I guess in a, what it's really trying to tell you the show is about is that kind of like in the Harry Potter world, which isn't the best reference, but you know, like the magic world is hidden from normal humans, the Muggles. It's like that. Like all the ancient gods are real, and they can exist in physical form on earth and uh there's this war going on behind the scenes between the ancient gods and the modern gods that are all like technology and shit really and this guy gets drawn into it like jillian anderson plays like one of the tech characters and she's trying to sway the main character into working for the the tech gods so like the first time she appears to him she's dressed all slutty like i love lucy and he's in a, a department store buying supplies for this road trip and all the TV screens come on with Jillian Anderson as I Love Lucy, and she's like talking mad shit about the ancient gods. It's a really <laughs> bugged out like, show. Oh shit! Yeah. Hey, I gotta break the uh, fourth wall for a second. Oh, we're, sure. we're at about buck thirty. Oh yeah. I'm just I'm just giving you the timestamp, giving you the I, heads I up. Think, I'm not like trying yeah. to like say wrap it up. I just want you to know where we are. I already yeah. knew when you guys were coming up here that this was gonna be a tough show for probably you to get a word in edgewise because putting me and this dude together. We oh, could do this good. for five hours. I don't right? need to get my shit in, but uh, no. I'm just giving you the uh, the heads up. We try to keep it peak two. Yeah, usually. yeah, we usually peak out around two. Uh, I'm just giving you the heads. We up. We should pot two this one at some point. Oh no, we'll get you back. We're definitely gonna get you back. Fucking. I out. think maybe next time I should just come to you. You came down here, so yeah, you can come, to, dude. Yeah, I guess. Fucking, you come up to Hudson. Brian makes a nice chicken palm. You like salmon? Fucking Brian yeah. makes a salmon. Yeah. Look at him fucking okay. putting me out to fucking work. <laughs> Yo, Brian's going to make a salmon dinner, jasmine rice. Right. And that other cat that you guys talked about. Uh, oh, Jay? Jay, yeah. yeah we'll get Jay involved. Fucking yeah. Jay's the next town over. Fucking you guys would hit it off great. Oh, he, where does he live? Marlboro. Oh, nice. He's a drummer in nice. my band, Abnormality. Fucking, so, you yeah. know, it works I bought, out. I bought your record. I didn't hit you up and ask for a free one. Oh, thank you. you know, I support <laughs> for sure. Thank you. Nice. I know it's not really a jive, that style. Fucking. Yeah, No, but it can be at times. You know? Yeah. I bought the new immolation. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this band's now. I mean, uh, you like Dead Congregation? Yes. Yeah. Cruciamentum, Grave Me, all that stuff. Like, yeah. All that stuff right now for me is so good. Yeah, yeah. That Crucimentium album, pff, all that stuff. You know, isn't it funny when you uh, you got friends of bands, you're not really into their shit, but they're cool people, so you, you enjoy their music just a little yeah. bit more because you know the people in the band. Right? Oh yeah. Well, that I think, happens all the yeah, time, right? Yeah. I, I think he knows that I, American death metal really isn't my slice of, of pie, but it has kind of been in the last few years. Yeah. What really kind of brought me over was Incantation because they're just so fucking good. <laughs> no know? shit. Yeah, because I think it's a death metal that has my type of sensibility, being that I love doom metal so much, and they can be real dirgy and slow. Yeah. And then through that, I started to branch out. Yeah, I've always rocked like Morbid Angel, uh, you know, Unpopular opinions. I like Steve Tucker, Morbid Angel, better That's than fine. Dave Vincent. Formulas, dude. Formulas dude, is gateways. nasty. Gateways. 
Gateways is the heaviest album yeah. Midnight Angels ever done. But uh, you know, I, I, lately I've been swayed back, like digging through the Immolation back catalog, listening to your band's newest album, a um, couple other things. You know, I can put on fucking Cause of Death and rock that anytime. You know, we fucking but, podcast with Don Taddy fucking oh, yeah? a couple weeks ago. Those Florida guys all seem cool as shit. Dude. Yeah, he, you know, he played drums with fucking Andrew WK. He did. Oh, you know that? Did, uh, that first, I didn't know that. that. We're fucking sitting length. there. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, b- b- before we wrap this, I actually wanted to ask you about. Uh, do you watch that Lock Horns? Lock Horns. You know about that? No. Dude, it's fucking awesome. You know the dude that Dan Cat that did the Headbangers Journey? I believe that's his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in a, a producer on that Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix, which I didn't know. Until, that was good. Yeah, watch? it was good. But I gotta get to that. It was really good. But uh, they he does this thing on. Uh, I believe it's on Thursdays. It's Wednesdays or Thursdays, and it like live streams, and it's conversations about metal, like history stuff. Like for instance, they did a top ten, top fifteen earache albums. Really? And then throughout the course of the day, starting at like eleven a.m., it airs at four four thirty. They just take all the comments, and it's called Lock Horns because people debate facts on like you know <laughs> which bolt thrower album gets in and. But it's fantastic. I'll look into that. They did like a doom, a doom death episode, death doom episode, and they did, uh, they did a traditional doom metal episode. And uh, isn't it crazy though? We're sitting here talking about how it was kind of weird because we were talking about how we're getting to know each other, the turn of the century, literally, right, and like right. fucking. There's bands nowadays. There's guys from that generation that are like, "Where's the riff? Where's the shit that right. sounds like that?" Right. But nowadays, there's so many kids coming into shit that have answers to stuff that it took you and I years to fucking find out. And it's right. so instantaneous. Right. I mean, like, it's kind of a reoccurring theme we have. Right, yeah. right. We I'm talk really- about this a lot down here. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Let's, I'll say it like this. I'm, I feel very blessed to have come up when I did. Because like I said earlier, everything we got interest-wise, we had to fight for. Right. You know? And that, that's important to me, you know? Just... Thinking back to like, you know, having a mail order an album and wait for it. Mm-hmm. Now you got, I mean, I fucking love that Amazon Prime, bro. Two day shipping, but. Oh, that's great. And you're still waiting, like, oh, two days? Two days, oh. right. Well, but I like, get my fillers you know, with that. I get the Wasp CDs, you know, stuff I yeah. just can't find, you know. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you yeah. know what I do a lot? Uh, Hell's Headbangers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, they always have shit. Yeah. Every day. I get out of work, I sit on the toilet or. You know, before my ride home, whatever. When yeah. I'm just decompressing, put on that website and just start going through the daily updates. And Absolutely. There's always something to buy, you know? I just took advantage of, like, a uh, nuclear war now, 25% off. They got some. That's another good one, bro. $6 CDs all day long. I like, there's another label right now, iVoidHanger. Oh, yeah. Some, they got some real kind of, like, I'm real into the dissonant kind of quasi-black metal shit, like, uh, the dodecahedron like types like blast nord type shit you know? yeah it's a lot of good stuff for that right now you heard that fucking band was it um mesorhythm mesorhythm or whatever no i are all over band camp it's like wicked key heavy fucking shit oh, but shit. they have the hubble hubble space fucking pitches for every album oh. cover. Yeah, i'm gonna have to write that down before you leave yeah, i'm sure that's my i'm yeah. all over that you know yeah. but I get into some proggy shit too you know I, you know, in the past few years since I've seen even one band I got into that was the most proggy thing ever is uh, I watched that Beyond the Lighted Stage Rush documentary. Oh, so good, And now bro. I'm fucking obsessed with Rush. Once, you get, the, <laughs> once, once you get bit by the Rush bug. Oh, right. That's a rabbit hole. <laughs> Dude, oh my God. You get bit, because it took me a long time, you know? Right. But um, that, that part about Neil Peart 
fucking having his um, the tragedy wife die, yeah. and then his, yeah. like three months later, his daughter is tragically fucking killed. Yeah, you know, I and, wrote I wrote to them once, and uh, I never got a response. I'm sure they get a ton of fan mail, and I I didn't really think that they would get get a response or ever see it. But I st- I wrote to Rush a couple of years ago um, when I was. You know, there's these times where music can kind of save you from, like, tough times. And, uh, I mean, everybody's experienced that, right? I was working in Swansea, but real miserable with it. This place wasn't a reality yet. So I kind of agreed to go work out in New Jersey, and I I was going to take a job out there. I went out for two weeks with Sarah, brought my dog. I guest spotted at this shop called Empire Tattoo. The money was good, and it was a blast. And I agreed to take the job. But then I got kind of cold feet, so I decided to renegotiate, and I said, can I do another two weeks? Because I'm still not sure, you know? And I went, and the second two weeks was horrible. And they had me living with a kid for the two weeks that, like, I wasn't really getting along with, and I stay up late. He goes to bed real early, and I was just, like, trapped in this shitty apartment in Summers Point, New Jersey, and all he had was Netflix. And I watched a Rush documentary that was on Netflix, and it was about 2112 and Moving Pictures being their best-selling albums. And I heard that, Temple of Syrinx. Dude. Right? For the first time. Because I had heard Rush, the songs everybody knows. I heard that, Temple of Syrinx, and uh, there was one record store in town, and they had a CD for three bucks. It was the best of the early years. (laughs) The kid that I was staying with had a day off, and he knew I was kind of bumming, so he gave it to me. And... um, you know, I had my phone with the internet, and I spent the next couple of days in this dead-ass tattoo shop questioning my career, but going through all that back catalog. And I left early in the middle of the night because I couldn't handle the guest spot anymore. And the first thing I did when I got back to our neck of the woods was take that Cranston exit, or the Warwick exit, go yeah. to Newbury, and buy every Rush album that I knew I was after. <laughs> and I, I think I spent the next three weeks. And, you know, I mean, there was so much depression on that road trip because i was solo by myself and it just sucked and it like that disc on the way home just saved my it was just awesome you know like brought so much pleasure to be like dude this band is so good and they're so dedicated to it and you know like i don't know it's just that band's amazing you know did you ever see them i've not seen them no and i've had a couple of opportunities i am the asshole that doesn't really get out of the shop much you know Oh, you're working like 80 hours yeah. a week. Because I just I always feel like nothing is as important. And there are times where you get out and you force yourself to do it and you have a blast, right? But I just like being productive, you know? Yeah. You can, put on the, you can put on the album while you're here. And, but I do regret not seeing them, you know? They're done playing, right? Uh, They're done, yeah. done. All well, these bands Allegedly. always say that shit, though. How many times has Sabbath said they were done? I don't know. Was it Carpal Tunnel or from uh, from Neil? I don't know if he fizzled. Yeah. Arthritis, I thought. Yeah. I mean, you like can that. imagine that that would set in with the type of playing he does. But you know the new thing is uh, bands of that age, they, they get like a son or a grandson to fill a role. But, if, who, if can, but who can yeah. fill Neil Peart's role, though? Right? <sighs> the, I and, and Eagles are doing it this summer. But I would really? say... Glenn Frey's kid. Yeah. Or Grant yeah, kid. Yeah, I, I heard about that. Really? Just filling in for the, uh, but, the stadium gigs. If you're going to find, arguably find a band that will be very hard to find somebody to fill in for, it would be Rush. Yeah. It's a fucking three-piece, yeah. and they're so integ- – I mean, what's the most replaceable part? Alec Lifeson? He's not. Mm. Alex isn't replaceable, but it's like, you know, you can't – you could never put somebody else where Getty Lee is. I mean, if he hurt himself, somebody else could play bass maybe, but – 
You can never replace that voice, though. No, okay. no. See, I, I'm able to separate like from what shouldn't be done and what, what could happen. Right, right. So, like, we're at a table right now. We're like, fuck no, that shouldn't happen. Right, right. Somebody on the other end's like, could we try it? Right. Could we try right. to get another tour? And I'm doing the money simple. You can't fucking right. see me do that. But you know, I think Sabbath should have cut it with after Dio. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought that was a good way to go out. Yeah. You know? I love Ozzy Sabbath, you know, but fucking. I, I saw some fucking obscure website fucking posting a story that Tony Martin wants to do a fucking album with Iomi again. Dude, yeah. Hell is crossing Tierra fucking balls, bro. Fucking right. Nobody suck. talks about those albums. No. Like, I don't think Ozzy, like the Boneyard, I listen yeah. to on Serious. Like, I don't think those are licensed. I got to be some friends that love those albums, like George, uh, John Sladuski, Sean Gallagher. I, I will say. When you're the type of people we are, and you've dug through that Sabbath catalog 800 times since you were a kid, you start to fuck with those Dark Horse albums, bro. Right. Because you don't have anything left to fuck with. Exactly. And you know, then once you start realizing, like, man, Headless Cross, Tear, and, you know, those two Dio albums, even, I fuck with Dehumanizer, too. That one's good, but it's very modern production Yeah, sounding. it's heavy. It's like their painkiller, almost. My boy H from that, bland, that band Planet Gemini, it's a one-man Doom project, they're on uh, Barbarian Wrath. Yeah, you've always told me about this. Yeah, he, dude, he, he thinks every album on Earth should sound like Dehumanizer. He loves the sound <laughs> to the point where like he reps that Strange Highways Dio album hard because it sounds similar. You know, really, dude, Strange Highways is a fucking awesome album. I think the last one I got was Lock Up the Wolves. But uh, I haven't finished off my Dio. But you know, this uh, weird opinions too. Like people love Heaven and Hell, and who who doesn't? I mean, I got it framed in the room over there. For sure, you know. But Mob Rules is fucking. So good. Do you yeah. think that? I mean, I kind of honestly sort of think that fucking Tony Martin might have been the best singer that they had, though. I think Dio is the best singer they ever had. I, I personally speaking think Ronnie James Dio is the best metal singer ever. Really? Yeah. Over Dickinson, over Alfred. You know, Maiden is one of my favorite bands of all time, especially the Diano shit. Sorry, Bruce. Yeah. I, I love the. The Bruce shit, too. You He's know? an avid listener. He's going to be pissed, yeah. too, man. <laughs> yeah. You never know, bro. The dude does everything. It's true. You never know. Exactly. He's probably flying a plane flying listening a plane. to flying drop right 5K now. right now. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, you know what George and I talked about the other day is that uh, Maiden is another one of those bands where like, you never get granted with the songs you really like. Like Somewhere in time gets slated as just being this stopgap before Seventh Son. How? It's a fucking masterpiece, bro. Well, Seventh Son's... Fucking, I think a high point for sure, conceptually. Fucking, and maybe financially or success wise, but somewhere in time, still the better album to me. It's the best album, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Track for track, that well, Heaven Can Wait's the only one I actually skip over on that one. Who, whose dick would you have to suck to get them to play Loneliness of the Long Distance Run alive? Right? I think that would ever happen. <laughs> I don't know. Is that the name of a movie too? Fucking like every song title on that is like names like after a movie or some shit. I was just trying to think of like ploys, like write them and be like, I'm dying of cancer. Can you just play loneliness? It's like that episode of Seinfeld where the, the sick kid wants to meet Paul O'Neill, right? Like, can I just lie? Oh, that sick kid wasn't lying, but you know, can I just be like, this is my dying wish, yeah. Steve. Right. I know you want to hear Number of the Beast for the 7,000th time, but can I get fucking deja vu, please? You know? Flash, Flash of the Blade, maybe? I think Loneliness and Long Distance Runner probably has the best crowd chorus fucking guitar chant, potentially, though. I'm kind of surprised they don't do that, because that's just an What's anthem. the worst song on that album? Heaven on that wait. album. Heaven, Heaven Can, can wait. wait. 
or Sea of Madness, one or the other. Yeah. And they're still good. Right. Know? Dude, even Alexander the Great is a banger, you know? Oh, fuck yeah. But, dude, Stranger in a Strange Land. Oh, that's like, the best. That's my favorite genre. Yo, you that's got Walmart. fucking singles for that shit. Play that shit live, you know? Oh, I know. I struggle with that, you know? I just, even like Peace of Mind, man, like Still Life is like my favorite song on that record, you know? Wasn't there a Maiden song that's on hold right now? Yeah. For live shows? Hallowed Be Thy Name. No, is it Children Hall- of the Damned or Hallowed Be Thy Hall- Name? Hallowed Be Thy Name. Oh, they're not playing it? Um, yeah, because of some, some prog band. You know how Steve always carries his influences? He wears them on his sleeve, you know? Wishbone Ash. For better or worse, but Wishbone Ash is for the better. That band's right. amazing. Right. There was some prog band that Rob Smallwood represented at the time anyways. I believe that's what it was. And uh, they had a few lines in a, a song that Steve liked, so he borrowed them. He asked, can I borrow these lines? And then years later, they probably got bitter that Maiden was bigger and nobody knows who the fuck they are. You talking vocal, lyric line? Or lyric lines, really? yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. But uh, So they're holding off on playing it. They're playing like, it. let's just yeah. let that chip out. It was great. Well, this kind of reminds me oddly. There was like, uh, you remember that band Incubus, the death metal bands? Yeah, yeah they became Opprobium, right? Right. Opprobium, so yeah. the label that owns that Opprobium stuff actually sued Metallica for fuck it. Like recently, within the past few months, for uh, Metallica, they said Metallica stole Moth into the Flame and then uh, really? spit out the bone. They were saying it was old Incubus songs. And the dudes from Incubus had nothing to do with the right. lawsuit or whatever. They were but, fucking, I mean, fucking shame on Incubus for. Creating something that Metallica could, rec- <laughs> could Metallica could record and make shitty, because that me- <sighs> it's just crazy when that shit happens though. Like fuck yeah. it. I mean, well, not even lawsuits, but like, actually, you got that good story about that Manila Road album, the fucking the oh, Greek- the Mark of the Beast. Yeah, can you tell that story? We we'll wrap this up. We'll right, talk right, about I'll your tattoo, you. and then we'll fucking. All right, uh, well, all right. So, um, you love Manila Road. Manila- I, I love like- I love Manila Road. Yeah, specifically early Manila Road, like first five, six albums. Uh, the the story that I read and then somebody else recanted to me is has to do with John Perez from Solitude Aeternus. And I love that band too, you know. Solitude Aeternus should arguably be better than, bigger than Candlemass. I agree. Because they're a much better band, you know. Yeah. And Candlemass probably thought so too because they hired Rob Lowe to sing. And those albums are okay, but they're not as good as the Solitude albums. And I got a lot of respect for John Perez. And I think he probably took a lot of influence from Manila Road in those early years. Dude, those first few Manila Road albums are so good. You know, Crystal Logic is just fucking amazing. And, you know, the vocals, people are decisive about the vocals. And Open the Gates actually is, like, not on my top couple list, but it's got some bangers, like... Road of Kings, and it's good. But uh, So the story was that they recorded this album called The Gates of Eschaton. And it became, it was the album they recorded before Metal, the second, Metal is their second album. Right. Um, their first album is, why am I drawing? Was it Invasion? Invasion, which is so good. Then Metal. And they did that set a few years ago where you could get them both on one for a discount. That's mm-hmm. a fucking great set, you know? But... There was this middle album between the two called Gates of Eschaton, and supposedly Mark Shelton thought it was too proggy. It, it could be the best Manila Road album. It's fucking amazing. And uh, I think it was that Iron Bonehead or Iron Galley, one of those. Iron Bonehead was a German label. It was, it was one of those. I think it was Iron Galley Records. Uh, I think they released it in 2005 or something. But from that point, it hadn't existed. But supposedly... 
there was a Greek bootleg, and I saw it once, that had it in cassette form or CD form in a wicked shoddy version. And the story that I was told is that somebody broke into John Perez's bedroom and snatched it and then somehow got a dub of it. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, right? but I've heard it from two sources. But irregardless of that fact... It, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just so crazy to it, me. But, Somebody breaks in the patty steel. It's right. like, like Fort Knox. If I was a Manila Road fan at that time and would have heard those tracks, I would have stole it. But it was out there for people to get a hold of for a time. And then, you know, they just actually gave it a proper re-release. I think it had been released twice in the past. And then uh, I think it was Hell's Headbangers, actually, or another label. Hell's Headbangers or somebody Shadow else. Shadow Kingdom was all over those American yeah, represses, yes, I think. Yes, There's another label that's HH. Uh, it might not. It, it's either Hell's Headbangers or somebody else. They just did a proper one with the original track order, new cover art that was supposedly intended to be the cover art back then. I think it's like some Gustav Doré shit. Yeah. And uh, they retitled it. Because when it came out in 2005, it was called Mark of the Beast. And now it's called Gates of Eschaton again. But oh, shit. Have you heard it? No. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. There's a song called uh, Triumvirate, which, if I had to guess, is about the original Conan movie, which is my favorite movie of all time. Because it's just about three companions going through like trials and tribulations. And then there's another Robert E. Howard-inspired song called Black Lotus. Really, and it starts with Shelton like ripping out this like twangy, fucking, just like almost funky. Uh, the dude just plays weird, you know, but it's amazing, you know. Oh shit, that band's so good, dude. Well, they're a true American gem from Kansas. Kansas, like, and you really can't get more fucking yeah. American than that. And you know, Pagan Altar, Manila Road, Sirithungul are the three greatest, most weird and wonderful metal bands that have ever existed in my opinion if we're talking about just heavy metal you know like i know people can argue that those bands are all influences on doom metal and and i think it's arguable that pagan altar is actually closer to doom metal than traditional and Thungle is definitely doomy and those bands come up on those debates but they are still just metal bands and they're so weird and each band has very odd vocalists but if you have the type of personality that I have and you love weird tales and HP Lovecraft and real avant-garde shit, it's almost like it was tailor-made for you, you know? Right. Because people religiously love those albums. I know I do, you know? Well, listen, I religiously so love your work. Awesome. Your fucking opinions are great. Thanks, been man. fucking fantastic, guys. Sorry, I monopolized the and There's no monopolized. Fucking, this is the way we do things. If, you, if you've if you enjoyed this, I encourage you to come yeah. down to fucking yeah. New Bedford, get yourself a tattoo, fucking look up Andrew. What's your Instagram page? All right, so the, the shop's Instagram is North Atlantic Tattoo. My Instagram is Panzerfaust, like the Dark Throne album. Huh. I'm not naming it after the not German, the not the German, <laughs> not the German anti-tank round. Don't take it the wrong way. I know people are pretty PC these days. It's Panzerfaust, P-A-N-Z-Z-E-R-F-A-U-S-T, two Z's, two Z's on Instagram. Panzerfaust on Instagram. Um, it's high quality, mostly large-scale tattooing. Uh, it's not the cheapest work, but it's certainly not the most expensive, and. Uh, for the most part, we update stuff weekly, so there's a lot of stuff to look at, you know. Most people go to restaurants and order wine. Right. They're right, right in the middle. They're not going right. to pick the cheapest shit. Right. Right. They're not going to pick the most expensive right. shit right in the middle, right. price-wise. I mean, my tactic for a long time is that 
I'm a middle class person. I was raised middle class. And even though it's very expensive to get tattooed, we try and make it as affordable as possible. We'll cut hours for people. It's not, I mean, you know, it's not out of the ordinary for me to give a regular five hours for 350 bucks where normally that should cost seven, you know, or, you know, six or whatever, you know, well, if somebody comes in and they got a great idea and a great attitude, they'll get hooked up, you know? So I appreciate the plug, you know? Dude, you've been fucking phenomenal. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you. Sure, I wish I could get some sure. work done today, but. This was, this was funner though. I don't think I would have had as much fun if I was like, working. plus I still. Yeah. I Wait, still, this is work. You're advertising y- the business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a write-off. That's true. <laughs> plus the, the coil tattoo machine that I outline with, I still use a very traditional machine to outline. It's real loud. I don't yeah. know how it would come across, you know? Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah. I was considering getting some work done, yeah. fucking, and ultimately I, the gun itself, I think, might yeah. have been enough to fucking... Well, you got to call it a machine. Oh, yeah? Only the amateurs call it a gun. Okay, all right. But, yeah, that, right. but now you know. All right, but, I, I but the machine that I color with now is like a modern plastic, like, high-tech space-age rotary tattoo machine. It's very quiet. Yeah. So the shading wouldn't have been a problem, but the line work would have been real rickety-sounding, you know? Right on. For sure. Yeah, no sweat. I'm sure next I'll be time. down in the near future. Fucking yeah, next uh, time. So, is that the best way to book you for some work? Fucking that. Fucking I, Instagram, maybe yeah. a message. I would say, you know, I I stay on top of the Instagram because it's a super good modern promotional tool. So they have the instant messenger on Instagram now, like it's a messenger app thing. Yeah. Or just comment on one of the photos, and then I'll hit you up. You know. Yeah, if you like heavy metal, if you like any sort of metal, fucking talking just, about the shit yeah. we talked about. Culture in general, man. Oh, yeah. If you're interesting and cultured, you'll have a fucking good time here. Fucking this right. isn't this isn't like, uh, you know, there's some soccer moms here and there, but this is a fun environment every day. It says know? tattoo on the outside. Yeah. It's going to happen. For sure. <laughs> you know? For sure. It's going to happen. Sure. <laughs> Thanks, All right, guys. man. Well, cheers, man. You've been awesome. a great guest. Cheers. Awesome.